www.blakeradio.com. Thursday, the 9th of November. Let's begin this morning in prayer together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, instruct us in your ways. Lead us in your paths. We pray that you would grant unity and peace to the church throughout the world. Grant to the Pope and all the bishops wisdom and discernment to see the road you have laid out for us. And to our local church, Lord, grant vision to see beyond our own boundaries and to serve your universal reign. Oh God, you dwell in our midst even as you call us to walk forward toward the future dwelling place which you have promised for all your people. Keep us faithful to the way you have laid out for us so that one church with one shepherd we may follow where you lead us through Christ our Lord. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Thursday, the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hope you're doing all right. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has got the uh, cameras up and running, so you can see the live stream through the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. It's on our YouTube channel. Father Patrick Briscoe will join us this morning. Also, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Morrow continuing our series on uh, A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament, a great resource from Ascension Press. He's going to talk us through the book of Esther this morning, which, interestingly enough, uh, it's different in Catholic Bibles than it is in Protestant Bibles. You may already know this. Father Frank Donia will join us as we make our way through Vocation Awareness Week. And then Pastoral Counselor Kevin Prendergast has more thoughts on processing grief, a great topic for this month dedicated to the holy souls, the faithful departed. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Israeli troops and Hamas militants are battling through bombed-out buildings in Gaza City more than a month into the war. At the time, some 80 at the same time, some 80 countries and organizations have been meeting in Paris to coordinate humanitarian aid and find ways to help wounded civilians out of the battle zone. The U.S. is saying that when the war ends, Palestinians must govern Gaza. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said in a statement that there should be no reoccupation of Gaza after the conflict ends. Meanwhile, a report says the U.S. and Israel are discussing a three-day pause in the war against Hamas. More from Mark Mayfield. NBC News says that Qatar is also involved in the discussions that would allow for more humanitarian aid into Gaza and perhaps the release of some hostages held by Hamas. Qatar is reportedly acting as an intermediary. Israel has always held firm that Hamas must free all of the roughly 240 hostages before it will agree to any ceasefire. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis made another appeal for peace during his general audience yesterday, which marked one month of war between Israel and Hamas. The Pope said, quote, let us not forget martyred Ukraine and let us think of Palestinian and Israeli peoples. May the Lord bring a just peace, end quote. In his general audience catechesis, the Holy Father focused on a 20th century French social worker as he continued his series on those who embody apostolic zeal. 
From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Servants of God, Madeleine de Brel, offers an example of how to embrace our baptismal call to share the joy of the gospel. The Holy Father urged the faithful to learn from the 20th century French social worker, writer, and mystic who, for more than three decades, prayed, lived, and worked among the poor in Paris's peripheries. After a period of agnosticism in her youth, the Pope recalled, Madeleine encountered Christ through the witness of her friends and, following her conversion, chose to live a life completely devoted to God. She set out in search of God, the Holy Father said, giving voice to a deep thirst she felt within her. In doing so, he observed, she came to understand that the emptiness that cried out in her anguish was God seeking her. The joy of faith, he continued, led her to mature a choice of life entirely given to God. The Holy Father recalled how she poetically addressed Jesus when writing. Poeticamente, si rivolgeva a Gesù così. To be with you on your way, we must go, even when our laziness begs us to stay. Madeleine, he noted, was deeply moved by the plight of the poor. Madeleine aveva il cuore continuamente in uscita. The French Venerable's example of apostolic zeal, the Holy Father said, reminds us of our baptismal mission to share the gospel joy with others. And in the process, he added, it inspires us to grow in fidelity to the twin commandments of love of God and love of all our brothers and sisters. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. After several Election Day losses this week, Republican candidates for president spoke about abortion at their debate in Miami last night. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley said a Republican president would not be able to ban abortion during the debate hosted by NBC News. Haley also argued a 15-week federal abortion law is not realistic. She said Republicans would need to find consensus, including banning late-term abortions and encouraging adoption. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who signed a six-week abortion ban into law in his state, said Republicans need to do a better job on state referendums on abortion. Today is Thursday, November the 9th. It is the feast of the dedication of the Basilica of St. John Lateran, the Pope's church in Rome, named for St. John the Baptist. Pray for us. Father Patrick Briscoe joins us next. It's six past. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Father Patrick Mary Briscoe back with us on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's editor of our Sunday Visitor. Good morning, Father. Hey, good morning, Anna. Thanks for having me on. It is great to have you. And I love this piece that you put up over at our Sunday Visitor on St. Charles Borromeo and fatherhood. Of course, we just marked the feast of St. Charles Borromeo 
over the weekend and on Sunday had the gospel about calling no man father. So uh, this is a this is a pretty good piece to discuss this morning. Tell us a little bit to just start us off a little bit about the life of St. Charles Borromeo. Yeah, well, like you said, we just celebrated his feast day, which occurs every year on November 4. And for me, it's, it's, it's particularly special. I grew up in St. Charles Parish. Oh, nice. I've been devoted to St. Charles for some time. I, I really, I really love, really love the great saint. So one of the things that, that I recently learned, you know, in, in going through a book of St. Charles letters was about this beautiful speech that St. Charles gave after returning home from a session of the Council of Trent. He gathered around the bishops from his metropolitan area. So as Archbishop of Milan, he had some oversight of the other bishops of of uh, the territory that, that belonged to the Archdiocese of Milan. So he's gathered them all around, and he gives them this beautiful conference about enacting the reforms of Trent. And you know what he said to them? You know, we're talking about the 16th century here, right? Um, he says to them, we must be fathers. We must be fathers. That was St. Charles Borromeo's yeah. action plan coming back to Milan to uh, begin to enact uh, the reforms of Trent. And I, and I, I just thought that was so compelling given not only what it tells us about the saint, but about the shape of the church then, and how relevant, to think also, how relevant those words are now. Absolutely. And I'm wondering, what were the, well, how did he describe fatherhood? How did he describe the the role of the priest as father? The role of the priest as father was clearly the, at the heart of St. Charles Borromeo's life. I mean, that. When we look at when we look at what his life means, uh, there there are a few virtues that really stand out. I think uh, one of the first is uh, is his humility. Humility, humilitas, was in fact the family motto of the Borromeo family, mm. and so that was the the word, the motto, the slogan, the Episcopal motto of Saint Charles Borromeo that he had not only on his family crest but also his Episcopal his Episcopal crest, humilitas. And often, in fact, you see paintings of St. Charles Borromeo doing penance, so walking with a rope around his neck, doing doing public acts of penance. And, and I think those depictions of the saint are, are, are extremely moving. And that humility was coupled with a dynamic charity. So when, when Milan faced a plague, um, an extensive plague which caused famine and a number of other disasters, St. Charles Borromeo spent his family's fortune to feed as many as 60,000 people regularly, wow. uh, bankrupting his family, spending all of his money. Uh, that, so so great was his charity that the plague became known in Italian history as the Plague of St. Charles. Wow. Not, because, not because he started the plague, but because his, his compassion was so evident through it. So, so humility and charity, I would say, are two of the keys here to how St. Charles lived his priestly fatherhood, lived lived his father's heart as a priest and as a bishop. Well, and so in the time of the Council of Trent, of course, we have the church finds herself in the midst of of the Protestant revolt. And so a lot of people turning against the church in a way, and, and clearly the church in need, maybe not in the way that Martin Luther thought, but clearly in need, of of some renewal in that time and Charles Borromeo of course being one of the great reformers and and renewers in the church 
in this time would that father i remember when covid hit initially and uh reading a speech from saint charles borromeo to the priests um to these religious priests that he was trying to rally to remain in the city and to serve the people i mean would that we had we had uh in in a plague in our own time right i mean i don't know if you can i think a lot of people have compared covid to the plague um, but would that COVID be named after a priest or a bishop? Yeah, I think there, there's there's so much that we're still working through from the from the crisis of 2020, and I I think it's it's both very easy uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's very easy to assess leadership um, on the other side of a crisis, um, but sure. but I think it's it's quite obvious how how damaging the, the, the immediate COVID response was. And Cardinal Dolan has recently written about this um, in the page of Our Sunny Visitor and, and elsewhere. And uh, I think that's, a, that's clearly a conversation that we need to continue to have as a church. I'm so thankful for the Eucharistic Revival, which I think is the beginnings of that conversation um, about the church's response to COVID. And, and I think it's a conversation we need to continue to have in order to assess our priorities and to make it clear what we as a church are going to do should, uh, please God, let us be spared, but should should something like this befall us in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess I bring that up to say that, I mean, look at the extreme charity that he showed that that the people would all recognize or or associate the um to associate the plague with his name. I didn't know that about him. And that's what I, I just mean, like this extreme charity, not to yeah, you know, point out absolutely. any kind of lack of charity on the part of bishops, but just how oh, extreme well, that, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you go right ahead and do that. I mean, but I mean, just to say we're, we're looking around at the church today and, and we are in the midst of this Eucharistic revival, which so is so desperately needed in the United States and around the world, why do you think that that fatherhood is is one of the the main keys to renewal in the church today? I think part of it is because fathers, being a father, is synonymous with being a leader, and leaders are able to call people to more. So, so like you said, you were looking for looking looking around for the leader who um, who was who was fighting for the faith. I mean, and there are some great examples. I think Archbishop Corleone in San Francisco was, was yeah. absolutely heroic in fighting for, for public demonstrations of the faith. But I, but I think that father, there's this question about fatherhood and leadership that, that, is, uh, that, is, um, uh, uh, that is aligned. Uh, we're, we're looking for leadership, and we're looking for that because the reality is that the only response in the church in times of crisis is holiness. And people will follow fathers, they will follow leaders, and they will follow saints. And that was true in the the Tridentine era, the era of the Tridentine dispensation, it's the time of the Council of Trent, and it's true today. Uh, it's true today. So, the, so the, the answer to the church in the time of crisis is, in fact, the same. Fathers, leaders, and saints. That, that, that's what we ought to be looking for as a people, and that's what we ought to be hoping for from our bishops and from our priests. Yeah, thank you so much, Father Patrick Briscoe. You can find our Sunday visitor linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. He's got a beautiful piece over there on St. Charles Borromeo and fatherhood.
Don't forget to click the subscribe button when you head over to our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. Coming up on 16 past here on the Sunrise Morning Show, we're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere this Friday. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This is Jim Pinto, director of EWTN Media Missionaries. Mother Angelica said, the essence of evangelization is to tell everybody Jesus loves you. You can help EWTN share the good news by becoming a media missionary. Visit EWTNmissionaries.com today and join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. Jim's beat slaps harder than ours. Oh, man, I know. Just listen to the contract. Like, Jim's like, that's some strong, <laughs> uh, strong rhythms. And our, here we are just like kind of like. Well, you know, it's early in the morning. Anyway, call Jim be a media missionary. people in. Jim will help you out. Here's Anna with headlines. A report says the U.S. and Israel are discussing a three-day pause in the war against Hamas. Pope Francis made another appeal for peace during his general audience yesterday and in his catechesis focused on a 20th century French social worker as this week's model of apostolic zeal. News at the top, bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, we had a cross-country banquet last night for our uh, CYO youth team. Nice. Our son's little school had some some great success stories in it. Yeah. Handing out those, uh, you know, certificates, holding up the... The trophy, which now goes in the school trophy case. Cool. It's good times. Cool, cool. Bit of a potluck type of thing. I brought like a pig, a baked pasta thingy, but some people brought some nuggets, uh, Anna Mitchell. And I thought of you. I couldn't help but think of you when people brought chicken nuggets, mm-hmm. you know, to uh, to a potluck. And some people had gotten what what is indeed the best value on the McDonald's menu, which is the 20-pack of nuggets. Sure. Uh, it's like the best bang for the buck at Mickey D's and they put them out there. Uh, But behind them, someone else had brought a tray of the Chick-fil-A nuggets, which are not the greatest deal, but are very, very delicious. Yeah. And all I could think of as the box of 
McNuggets was in front of the Chick-fil-A in the back was the steward saying to the bridegroom, Anna Mitchell, every man serves the Chick-fil-A nuggets first, and when men have eaten freely, then the McNuggets. (laughs) But you have kept the Chick-fil-A nuggets until now. So it's like you kind of had to finish off the McNuggets a little bit to get to the Chick-fil-A. Matt, you know, you are just a master of bringing the teachings of Jesus into our modern world. Make it accessible to us here in the 21st century America context. Relevancy is in which we find ourselves. I always quote you, by the way, when we talk about the lost sheep. I talk about the dropped sock. The dropped sock. When you're carrying a big load of laundry. You're dropping the whole pile to reach down and grab that sock. Yeah, who among you would not risk the entire pile of laundry? Arm load of laundry to grab that sock. To grab that that last sock. We are the sock. That's right. We are the sock. In the laundry basket. Indeed. Of life. Attention, Sacred Heart Radio volunteers. Wednesday, December 6th is our Advent Pledge Drive. And we need volunteers to answer phones from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. that day. If you can help, even for an hour, call 513-731-7740. Or visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. We need your help to raise $60,000 on Wednesday, December 6th. If you can answer phones anytime that day, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at FortMitchellGarage.com. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center, a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500, 513-248-3500. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MADE or at mollymade.com. Molly Made, a clean you can trust. It's time for our weekly Old Testament Bible study here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. You can get a copy of your own at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament to study along with us. And we're back here with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, one of the contributors to that guide. Good morning, Dr. Morrow. Welcome back. 
Good morning. It's great to be here. It is great to have you. And so we are taking a look at the book of Esther today. Who is Esther? Esther is a Jewish woman during the Persian period after the Babylonian exile. She's living in Persia, modern-day Iran, and she's a faithful Jewish woman um, who becomes, in a sense, the queen of Persia for King Xerxes, whom in the book is who in the book is named uh, Ahasuerus. Okay, um, yeah, just to to get our historical bearings here, this is one of the things I love about the Bible timeline and the Great Adventure Study is um, how uh, Jeff Cavins initially laid all of this out so that we yeah. could see what's happening in the Bible lining up with what we read about in, in the history books. So when it comes to the Persian Empire, uh, we know about you know Cyrus the Great and, mm-hmm. and, and freeing the Jews to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, giving them the money to do it. So where does uh, this Xerxes, or how do you pronounce his name again? Oh, I, I, oh, I mean, in the Greek, it would be Xerxes, uh-huh. and um, he's known here as Ahasuerus. It's the same king, Ahasuerus. same figure. Yeah, so where does he come in the lineup after Cyrus the Great? Oh, he's the son of Darius, often called Darius. So Darius, right, was after Cyrus, and then Xerxes is after him. And we know about these figures from history outside the Bible. These are well-known historical figures. We don't know about Esther outside of the Bible, although it's possible— it is possible we have a reference to Mordecai, hmm. her uncle, who adopts her. Wow. Well, those are yeah. two important characters that we meet in this book of Esther, who I want to get to um, in just a second. But first, take us through the narrative of the book of Esther. What happens in here? Yeah, well, basically, short story is Xerxes, or Hasuerus, um has a whole party. He wants his wife to be shown off while the, the other men want to see his wife, and she refuses to come. So he kicks her out of the kingdom. And he decides to find a new wife as this beautiful as Vashti. And so Esther gets picked. She becomes the one that, um, that God will use then to kind of save the Jewish people. And so what happens is her uncle, who adopts her as a, as a father, uh, Mordecai, uh, who in, in Akkadian, the Akkadian language would be known as Marduk, which is one of the Babylonian gods, but it's also mm-hmm. a common name. And we actually have a figure named Marduk who has that role in the government under uh, Xerxes from the time. Wow. And he basically is there, and he helps protect the king at one point. And the king has uh, a somewhat evil figure named Haman, who decides, because Mordecai is not giving him due honor, he decides, I'm just going to wipe out the Jewish people. Um, he kind of, you know, narcissistically is focusing on himself and how he appears, and so he'll, he doesn't care who stands in his way. And so he decides to kill all of the Jewish people, and he gets the king to write an edict slaughter all of the Jews and what becomes the Feast of Purim. And so Mordecai uses Esther then to intervene, um, and she saves the people through her relationship with the king. She was made for such a time as this. Yes. That's the famous line, of course, from the book of Esther. Talk more about this uh, this Jewish feast that gets instituted during the book of Esther. Yes, yeah, so the feast celebrates the, the salvation, how God saves his people. It's interesting, in the Hebrew text of Esther, um, which everybody, Jews, Christians, whether they're Catholic or Protestant, all use, there's no explicit reference to God. The Catholic and Eastern Orthodox edition of Esther is a little bit longer um, from some portions that we only have preserved in Greek, and they actually do reference God in those passages. And so God uses Esther to uh, save his people. So Purim is the day that Haman was defeated and that the Jewish people were saved. 
And so as we look at the book of Esther and sort of the greater picture of salvation history, what are what are the key themes from this or the, the key things that we should be keeping in mind as we read through just such an incredible story? I think it's mostly about God's fidelity and in that he uses unexpected people to save, right? So you can think about Mary. Esther, in some levels, is like a, uh, a Mary figure mm. in that, you know, lowly Mary, right, from Nazareth, becomes the mother of God. Oh, and yeah. Esther, this lowly Jewish woman in Persia, becomes the queen who saves her people. And so I think that, that no matter what situation we're in, social status, education level, but God wants to use us in a specific way, and he will be faithful. Absolutely. We've been talking to Dr. Jeffrey Morrow. You can find A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament linked at sunrisemorningshow.com or go to ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament to pick up a copy for yourself. We'll look forward to uh, starting in on the Maccabean Revolt with you next time, Dr. Morrow. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. You bet. And again, if you head over to sonrisemorningshow.com, you can find all kinds of great resources. Would encourage you as well to download the Sunrise Morning Show app, which you can find at our website. It'll take you to the Google Play Store, the App Store. And uh, when you download the Sunrise Morning Show app, that gives you access to our live stream on your smartphone, gives you access to our podcasts on your smartphone. And yeah, it's a great way to take the Sunrise Morning Show with you wherever you're getting ready for work or school. You can keep it in your pocket and your earbuds, put it on your Bluetooth in the car. And um, we would love to tag along with you on your morning commute sonrisemorningshow.com if you're not an app person of course you can get our live stream there and uh, subscribe to our show notes to get all of the information you need about our guests on a daily basis in your inbox every morning sunrisemorningshow.com half past the hour now on the sunrise morning show it's time for news Israeli troops and Hamas militants are battling through bombed-out buildings in Gaza City more than a month into the war between them. At the same time, some 80 countries and organizations have been meeting in Paris to coordinate humanitarian aid and find ways to help wounded civilians out of the battle zone. The U.S. is saying that when the war ends, Palestinians must be allowed to govern Gaza. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said in a statement yesterday there should be, quote, no reoccupation of Gaza after the conflict ends, end quote. Meanwhile, there's a report saying that the U.S. and Israel are discussing a three-day pause in the war against Hamas. More from Mark Mayfield. NBC News says that Qatar is also involved in the discussions that would allow for more humanitarian aid into Gaza and perhaps the release of some hostages held by Hamas. Qatar is reportedly acting as an intermediary. Israel has always held firm that Hamas must free all of the roughly 240 hostages before it will agree to any ceasefire. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land and around the world during his general audience yesterday. Yesterday marked the one-month mark of war between Israel and Hamas. The Pope said, quote, 
Let us not forget martyred Ukraine and let us think of the Palestinian and Israeli peoples. May the Lord bring a just peace, end quote. In his catechesis, the Holy Father focused on a 20th century French social worker as he continued his catechesis series on people who embody apostolic zeal. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. Servants of God, Madeleine de Brel offers an example of how to embrace our baptismal call to share the joy of the gospel. The Holy Father urged the faithful to learn from the 20th century French social worker, writer, and mystic who for more than three decades prayed, lived, and worked among the poor in Paris's peripheries. After a period of agnosticism in her youth, the Pope recalled, Madeleine encountered Christ through the witness of her friends and following her conversion chose to live a life completely devoted to God. She set out in search of God, the Holy Father said, giving voice to a deep thirst she felt within her. In doing so, he observed, she came to understand that the emptiness that cried out in her anguish was God seeking her. The joy of faith, he continued, led her to mature a choice of life entirely given to God. The Holy Father recalled how she poetically addressed Jesus when writing. Poeticamente, si rivolgeva a Gesù così. To be with you on your way, we must go, even when our laziness begs us to stay. Madeleine, he noted, was deeply moved by the plight of the poor. Madeleine aveva il cuore continuamente inuscita. The French Venerable's example of apostolic zeal, the Holy Father said, reminds us of our baptismal mission to share the gospel joy with others. And in the process, he added, it inspires us to grow in fidelity to the twin commandments of love of God and love of all our brothers and sisters. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has answered a series of questions from a Brazilian bishop about whether those who identify as transgender can receive the sacrament of baptism. The Catholic News Agency reports that the response is currently only available in Italian and Portuguese. It states that a person identifying as transgender can receive baptism under the same conditions as any adult, quote, if there are no situations in which there is a risk of generating a public scandal or disorientation among the faithful. The office said transgender identifying people who have undergone hormonal treatment or sex reassignment surgery can also fulfill the role of godfather or godmother for a baptism, quote, under certain conditions. After several Election Day losses this week, Republican candidates for president spoke about abortion at their debate in Miami last night. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley said a Republican president would not be able to ban abortion. She argued that a 15-week federal abortion law is not realistic. Meanwhile, Tim Scott, senator from South Carolina, backed a 15-week national limit. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. Sing along with classic hymns at the second annual St. Cecilia Carol Sing at St. Andrew the Apostle in Milford, Sunday, November 19th at 3 p.m. Learn more at sacredheartradio.com slash events. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. 
treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. SKPHA.com. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of the dedication of the Basilica of St. John Lateran, Thursday, November 9th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Still warm, but starting to see a fall in temperatures today. Right now, it's kind of rainy with temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly cloudy to partly cloudy today and steady temperatures, a high of 61. Mostly cloudy with a rain chance to the south and an overnight low of 43. Partly cloudy and chillier tomorrow with a high of 57. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, some morning clouds, then afternoon sun today, a high of 60. Mostly cloudy tonight and an overnight low of 40. Partly to mostly sunny tomorrow and a high of 56 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Download the app at sacredheartradio.com. It is National Vocation Awareness Week amid all the other things going on, but we want to make sure to focus on vocations. And here to help us do that is Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Father, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Matt? I'm doing well. And, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about people as though they have a vocation, and we only mean, you know, to the priesthood, right? So that guy's got a vocation. Well, we've all got a vocation. Uh, But we're focusing specifically on uh, these uh, consecrated life, uh, clergy and the rest. So uh, how are you kind of approaching this from your own perspective as someone who is, uh, you know, a priest? A priest and and also a religious and a religious right yes and so I I belong to a religious community called the Palatine Fathers and Brothers and part of my work is with uh, is as executive director of the Conference of Major Superiors of Men so those are the heads of all the male religious orders and really this week that the U.S. bishops have set aside as Vocation Awareness Week primarily the focus is on priesthood diaconate. And consecrated life. Now, consecrated life is more than than simply religious life. That includes groups uh, such as secular institutes and these different ways of of living consecrated life, including consecrated virgins. So it's a, it's a pretty big breadth. And in some dioceses, they also focus on the vocation of marriage. Interestingly enough, I've noticed several dioceses in different parts of the country that are adding that to this vocation awareness week, because we have to lift up the vocation of marriage as well. And the, and the significance of that. Now, all that comes out of our baptismal vocation, that's, that's the primary vocation we have. And then we live that out in, in different ways. We live that out in consecrated life as as possibly marriage as a sacrament. Consecrated life is not a sacrament. Of course, holy orders, diaconate, priesthood, the uh, bishops, episcopacy, that's 
Uh, that's a sacrament, sacrament of holy orders, sacrament of marriage. And then consecrated life is that deepening of living life in Christ as poor, chaste, and obedient. Well, there are so many questions that one might have in Vocation Awareness Week, but I'm, I can't help but think of uh, a video we're doing with the Coming Home Network. Who's got a, a, it's going to be coming out this week, and it's with a former Protestant uh, who became Catholic, and now she's a sister with the Daughters of St. Paul. And, you know, some people uh, in her family have trouble wrapping their mind around this, right? Because there's, there's not really nuns in the Baptist tradition or, you know, these other traditions. And sometimes she has gotten the question, you know, why did you choose this lifestyle when you could have, you know, done any of these other things? And her response is like, why'd you marry Bob when you could have married like 50 other guys, right? I mean, in some ways, there's this sense that we've got to all commit to something. Like there's something that we have to give ourselves to. Yes, to understand what we are. We do. We we are called to 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 choose a particular vocation in life. Now there are those who will live out that baptismal vocation in their lives as a single person, but the particular vocations within within the church are you know marriage and then priesthood and then also consecrated life, and so we have to discern. Where is the Lord calling us to? What is he calling us to? How is he calling us to it? And that is something that we can't do on our own. We can do together, in, of course, in prayer, in prayer with uh, asking the Lord for guidance in how we are to, to live our lives, but also in the, in the church. You know, you, you mentioned right at the, at the top of the interview that People will say, "Oh, okay." That when we you you over here might be called. You know, there's many times when I work with uh, in working with young people, and if they happen to show up to a daily mass, people immediately think they're going to be a priest or religious, and you know, in the parish. And instead, maybe they're not. Maybe they're 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 living out their their vocation as baptized and they come to daily mass they've made that a part of their lives and they're discerning what it is that they are to are called to maybe they are called to priesthood or consecrated life which is a beautiful life but also they may well be called to the vocation of marriage and build up catholic families yeah well some of the best guys i know uh are people who went to seminary for a year or two and decided that uh, this is not what God was calling them, and now they're awesome dads and husbands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? the formation is never a waste. Right. And, you know, that, that, that time is never a waste. There they're, they're are, are wonderful people who have, who then, they also then, what I find is that when people have done that kind of discernment, women and men, and then they're very particular about their the spouse that they choose, and then also the the people that they, the way in which they promote vocations in their own family, vocations of the priesthood and religious life. And so in each of these, there is a beautiful call. And and I think that particularly in this Vocation Awareness Week, we we do want to focus and we we have this great need for priests. We have this great need for religious people who who dedicate their entire lives uh, to, to Christ and to and as priests bringing the sacraments uh, to to people, and as religious in the in the prayer and in the apostolic work and in the communal life that witnesses Christ. Uh, there's also, of course, we have the, the the permanent diaconate. We have the diaconate and and many many men who are who are now serving in this way throughout the country. And I don't think people realize we have about half the world's deacons 
uh, permanent deacons in in the United States. Yeah, there was. I just saw something uh, recently where the church approved the diaconate for the Philippines. I'm like, does not ever does everybody not have deacons? Is, no, guess, they don't. We're like the deacon enough, capital they, of the they world. Don't. And, and, right. and but here it really has developed. And again, here are these mostly married men, sometimes single, um, and have committed to celibacy. But they they live out this vocation. Uh, in a way that's really beautiful. So in, in all of these these ways, we have such need uh, for, the, for the sacraments. We have such need for the, the work of religious, um, as well as then the beauty of, of marriage and, and family. So in all of these things, I think it's important for us during this week to pray, but also to encourage, to encourage people when we see them, because any of the studies have shown around uh, vocations of the priesthood and consecrated life, that it's it's been the encouragement of four or five people because one of the things that I see now is is that there are people who actively discourage young people from yeah. even thinking about I it. I see it all the time. I see and, it all the time. And we have we have yeah. to make that we really have to as active Catholics really have to make that shift and and do that kind of encouragement. Well, thanks so much. Father Frank Donio. We've got the Catholic Apostolate Center linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Again, that's the Catholic Apostolate Center, a great place to go uh, for Vocation Awareness Week. We will be back with Kevin Prendergast and Headlines with Anna Mitchell. Stay with us. It's a quarter till. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can save. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hi, this is H. McKay. Join me for our weekly look at some of the best Catholic webcasts from across America. Catholics Coast to Coast, your chance to get a sample of some of the great podcasts we have available at EWTNRadio.net. And to encourage you in your walk with God and your Catholic faith, log in to EWTNRadio.net and at Podcast Central is where you can find great shows. Catholics Coast to Coast, Sunday night, 6 Eastern on EWTN Radio. more to life resolving resistance frustrated with a stubborn person in your life let us help you break through that's later today on more to life now back to the sunrise morning show 
13 till. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Israeli troops and Hamas militants continue to battle through bombed out buildings in Gaza City more than a month into the war now. Pope Francis made another appeal for peace during his general audience yesterday. And the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has answered a series of questions from a Brazilian bishop about whether those who identify as transgender can receive the sacrament of baptism. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, a licensed counselor with decades of experience in the classroom as well as private practice and uh, lots of great insights to share on all kinds of issues that uh, we face by virtue of being human. Kevin, good morning. Hey, good morning, Matt. So we're talking about grief, continuing to dig into it, uh, especially during this month of the Holy Souls when we remember the faithful departed. And uh, if you could sort of catch us back up from where we were last time and where we want to go with things today. Yeah, great, Matt. So uh, I want to hit four themes during these four weeks uh, that we're talking during during November here. Uh, and last week we talked about one of the first uh, task or jobs or, or action steps that we need to take is just to accept the reality of the loss and that that takes time. The other point that we talked about is that grief uh, does not get resolved real quickly. So it's very typical for someone, if you have a close person that dies, to take one or two years to really feel like you're at peace. You don't, I don't know, closure is just a terrible word. I never use that, but just to get some peace. But there's some things that help. And, you know, we'll talk today about the kind of the second task after we accept the reality that this person is gone is to process the pain of the grief, right? So, so here's a quote. Uh, John Bowlby is a, a famous researcher who did a lot of work on bonding and attachment and infants and how that carries on into adulthood and how we really get connected to other people. And one of the things that he said about grieving was sooner or later, some of those who avoid all conscious grieving break down, usually with some form of depression. So again, grief is not depression. Most grief does not turn into depression. We'll talk about that in a later segment. But there are some things that can can help and some things that can get in the way. I, I would talk about like complicating factors. So one thing that really helps is to talk about. Uh, I remember when I was very young, my grandmother died. I was very close to her, and she had been married to my grandfather for 50 years. And we, were, my my grandfather and I were very close, and he would we would take walks together. And and for a long time after my grandmother died, he told the story over and over again of how she had had a heart attack. He had found her, uh, her last moments. You know, the last little day that they had had together and he just had to tell that story over and over and when I was that young I didn't understand why is he going over the story you know over and over and now I realize that that's very important we need people who are close to us and I have found that the person that I need to talk about a big loss with is someone who themselves have experienced a loss that could be a counselor it could be a priest it could just be a good friend so to find somebody who really gets it and is not going to tell me just to get over it so that's one that helps now the things that, that can complicate this is that every time that we have a new loss uh, we are struck by all the previous losses. And as we get older, we have more of those. So it's like one person describes it. It's like there's this uh, ocean inside us and every new new uh, grief uh, stirs up the waves and the waves come back. So we find ourselves thinking about people that we haven't 
uh, maybe thought about in a long time. And it could be something, this happens quite a bit in my practice is people will lose a pet and then all of a sudden that will, they're grieving the pet, but then they realize they, they're grieving their mother who they had a conflictual relationship with, right? It comes back. So that that's a very common kind of thing, but we have to deal with that. Like maybe there's unresolved or we call it unfinished business from some of those previous deaths and a new loss can make us, can motivate us to, well, I got to deal with those in order to deal with this present one. Another one that, that happens is, uh, this should happen, is everybody that's close to us that dies, it makes us aware that, hey, that's me someday, right? Yeah, I was uh, going to ask you about that. Because, this alive, right? You know, it really does highlight, I mean, that, uh, you know, when's my time coming? This person either expected or didn't expect this was going to happen. You know, will I mm-hmm. expect mine or will mine be unexpected? Yeah, that's right. And especially if it's somebody maybe who's uh, our age or younger, and then it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm, you know, my grandmother used to say only the good die young. I think about that the older I get, right, that, you know, I've got a little bit more time. And what do I want to do with that? I have to get ready. What am I putting off? Am I delaying things? Am I avoiding tasks that I need to do? Uh to get my affairs in order to to take care of relationships right now. And the third thing that goes along with that, Matt, is sometimes like at, at funerals, you probably have this experience, everybody that dies, you know, at the funeral liturgy, it's like everybody's been a saint and they're a hero, right? And they should be in the Hall of Fame uh, because, you know, people focus on the good part. And I think we're starting to get away from that. But everybody has good and bad. And that if I have a relationship with somebody that has some conflict, and I did not get that resolved while they were alive, that's going to make it harder to grieve that loss. Like, for example, uh, some of us grew up in families where a parent might have been mentally ill, had an addiction problem. Maybe there was somebody in our family that abused us or mistreated us badly. And so when that person dies, uh, you know, it might be somebody that we love, but they had this other part. We love them, but they were an addict or they, we love them, but they were schizophrenic. And so just that's difficult to deal with to, that we didn't take care of that when they were alive. And so in our faith, I think they're really our faith really gives us a lot here. We believe in life after death. We believe we're connected with the souls in purgatory and heaven. And so I think it really is possible that we need to take care of that. So I may have resentments and anger against somebody. I may have a lot of regrets. I may also have guilt. That's another feeling that comes up like, I should have spent more time with my mother before she passed away suddenly. Well, what can I do about that? She's gone. I can't go and apologize to her or ask her forgiveness. But our faith gives us a way. I th- I'm a big believer in you know, trying to write, write a letter to the person that's gone, especially if it's been a conflict-ridden relationship, and maybe go out to the cemetery just by myself with nobody else around, uh, stand by that graveside when I'm ready to do that, and maybe ask for forgiveness. And then I've, I've seen this happen many times in my own life, Matt, and in other people's lives, is that sometimes we, we do have guilt. You know, there's things that we should have done that we didn't do while that person was alive, or we hurt them and we never made amends. We never made restitution. But I, I really believe God gives us the grace. So he puts in our lives other people who are similar to the person that is gone. So maybe I did not, you know, pay adequate love and attention to my mother. And then lo and behold, I run into somebody in my work or through church who is a lot like my mother, right? And maybe she's alone and she's widowed and she's got illness. And I can, by showing kindness to her, I also 
make amends, make restitution, what I didn't do for the person in my family. That memory of that person. That's right. That's absolutely true. Right. And I, and I think our faith also gives us like we have rituals, our culture does not. So everybody wants to get over death quickly. And so just by praying, like, you know, we do during this month of, of the holy souls that are gone. Uh, but, but we can also, uh, you know, do some kind of a memorial, a foundation. We honor anniversaries, right? And, you know, I know some of my African friends are really big on this. They have a huge celebration really after somebody dies for a week or two, and then they have a get-together a month later, six months later on the year anniversary of their death. Well, we've lost that in our culture. Our secular culture doesn't do that. But I think those are hugely important, and that helps us bit by bit. Again, grief can take a year or two. That's normal. And that going, you know, having those rituals, lighting candles, uh, you know, indulgences, prayers, acts of charity, uh, making contributions to a worthy cause. uh, Those are all things that help us to keep that bond with the beloved, but it also helps us to get through grief. And and again, if we don't uh, mourn, uh, it's going to cause some problems later on. It really is amazing how many tools the church gives us uh, from yep. the massive Christian burial itself to mm-hmm. uh, the treatment yep. of the body after death uh, right. to the fact that we've mentioned our beloved dead in literally every single mass, <laughs> right? Yes, uh, right. We, we pray for them at every mass, uh, whereas sometimes yep. the best thing you got at secular culture is like a moment of silence before a football game and everybody's like, I don't know what to do with these seven seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, so the church we know what us, to do. Yes, yeah, some amazing right. things. Thank you so much, Kevin Prendergast. Thanks. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Matt. God bless. And, of course, you can find Kevin and all of our guests linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Check the show notes out. Subscribe to get them delivered to your inbox daily. Another full hour coming up for many of you. Stay with us. It's 3 Till. Ryan Lopez here. You know, making a positive impact on the world starts with making a difference in your local community. Every day, thousands of people invite Sacred Heart Radio into their homes, cars, and places of work. And because of this, they can go out into their communities, strengthened by the gospel message, and ready to spread the love of God. This is all made possible because of the generous support of listeners like you. And if you want to make a difference locally to change the world globally, visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate. Thank you. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life. 
while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, doctors David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. This is Father Michael Mary Dosh from St. Gertrude de Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. We continue on this Thursday, the 9th of November, by praying a prayer of St. Clement of Alexandria together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, may we all live in the peace that comes from you. May we journey toward your city, sailing through the waters of sin, untouched by the waves, borne tranquilly along by the Holy Spirit, your wisdom beyond all telling. Night and day until the last day of all, may our praises give you thanks. May our thanksgiving praise you. You who alone are both Father and Son, Son and Father, the Son who is our tutor and our teacher, together with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And all glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I gotta be careful because it's the feast of St. John Lateran, but I can't exactly say St. John Lateran pray for us because St. John Lateran's a building. So, yeah, it's always kind of strange uh, when you got a building on the on the calendar. We'll talk more about that as the morning continues. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Logman at the controls. We'll check in with Dr. John Bergsma. More thoughts on Love Basics for Catholics. Uh, Rita Heikenfeld, uh, we'll talk about wheat on Bible foods. She's got more make-ahead Thanksgiving recipe ideas. Gary Machuda continues our series on his book about the reliability of the Gospels, and we'll talk to Courtney Brown, who is with Ruah Woods. He's got more stuff, more ways to prepare your kids by building on a foundation of theology of the body. Today we're going to have some thoughts for helping second graders understand some of the core concepts there. Two minutes past, news of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Fierce fighting is being reported in Gaza City between Israeli troops and Hamas militants. Both sides are claiming to have inflicted heavy losses in today's battles. Meanwhile, dozens of countries and organizations from around the world are meeting in Paris currently to coordinate humanitarian aid to Gaza and to find ways to help wounded civilians leave the battle zone. Meanwhile, a report says the U.S. and Israel are discussing a three-day pause in the war against Hamas. 
More from Mark Mayfield. NBC News says that Qatar is also involved in the discussions that would allow for more humanitarian aid into Gaza and perhaps the release of some hostages held by Hamas. Qatar is reportedly acting as an intermediary. Israel has always held firm that Hamas must free all of the roughly 240 hostages before it will agree to any ceasefire. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis made another appeal for peace during his general audience yesterday, which marked one month of war between Israel and Hamas. The Pope said, quote, let us not forget martyred Ukraine and let us think of the Palestinian and Israeli peoples. May the Lord bring a just peace, end quote. In his catechesis, the Holy Father focused on a 20th century French social worker as this week's focus of those who embody apostolic zeal. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov has more. Servants of God, Madeleine de Brel, offers an example of how to embrace our baptismal call to share the joy of the gospel. The Holy Father urged the faithful to learn from the 20th century French social worker, writer, and mystic, who for more than three decades prayed, lived, and worked among the poor in Paris's peripheries. After a period of agnosticism in her youth, the Pope recalled, Madeleine encountered Christ through the witness of her friends, and following her conversion, chose to live a life completely devoted to God. She set out in search of God, the Holy Father said, giving voice to a deep thirst she felt within her. In doing so, he observed, she came to understand that the emptiness that cried out in her anguish was God seeking her. The joy of faith, he continued, led her to mature a choice of life entirely given to God. The Holy Father recalled how she poetically addressed Jesus when writing. Poeticamente, si rivolgeva a Gesù così. To be with you on your way, we must go, even when our laziness begs us to stay. Madeleine, he noted, was deeply moved by the plight of the poor. And Madeleine aveva il cuore continuamente in uscita. The French Venerable's example of apostolic zeal, the Holy Father said, reminds us of our baptismal mission to share the gospel joy with others. And in the process, he added, it inspires us to grow in fidelity to the twin commandments of love of God and love of all our brothers and sisters. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has answered a series of questions from a Brazilian bishop about whether those who identify as transgender can receive the sacrament of baptism. The Catholic News Agency reports the response is available only in Italian and Portuguese currently. It states that a person identifying as transgender can receive baptism under the same conditions as any adult, quote, if there are no situations in which there is a risk of generating a public scandal or disorientation among the faithful, end quote. The dicastery also said there must be consideration, quote, especially when there is some doubt about the objective moral situation in which a person finds himself or about his subjective disposition toward grace, pointing out that the church teaches that baptism received without repentance for grave sins does not bestow sanctifying grace, though it does still give the indelible sacramental mark. After several election day losses this week, Republican candidates for president spoke about abortion at their debate in Miami last night. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley says a Republican president would not be able to ban abortion. She argued that a 15-week federal abortion law would not be realistic, saying that Republicans need to find consensus, including banning late-term abortions and encouraging adoption. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott backed the 15-week national limit. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who signed a six-week abortion ban into law in his state, 
said Republicans need to do a better job on state referenda. Today is Thursday, November the 9th, the feast of the dedication of the Basilica of St. John Lateran, the Pope's Cathedral in Rome. Coming up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Dr. John Bergsma joins us. It's seven past. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. Look at the star. This is it. You truly believe that this child is the chosen one. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem. Rated PG. Federal guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere this Friday. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to his voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, teach me to pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box. That's lordteachmetopray.com. It's eight past. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. John Bergsma. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Bergsma, good morning. Good morning, Anna. So I want to start off where we left off uh, last time we were together. Of course, we are learning about the marital imagery that we read about in in the crucifixion of our Lord. So the Gospel of John tells us in chapter 19, while Jesus is on the cross, he says, I thirst. So remind us, what is so romantic or or marital about the fact that Jesus expresses that he's thirsty after all that he's gone through on Good Friday? Absolutely. So, Anna, it harks back to uh, the woman at the well where Jesus asked for a drink mm. in John 4. And already, uh, you know, a few weeks ago on the show, we talked about that and how that was kind of a... Uh, a spiritual uh, courtship going on there in John 4. But even Jesus' request for a drink in John 4 harks back all the way to um, perhaps the first courtship recorded in the Bible, which is in Genesis 24, where um, Abraham's servant's going out to find a bride for Isaac, and the, the pickup line that he works out with the Lord in prayer before he comes into the village looking for a bride, is, uh, Lord, I'm going to ask, you know, the first young woman I find for a drink. And if she responds generously, I'll know that she's the one. Yeah. And so this is a theme really through Scripture and especially in the Gospel of John. So it's a, it's a kind of a biblical pickup line. You know, the the potential bridegroom says, I thirst, and then looks for the response. Who's going to give the generous response, and that's going to point out the bride. Yeah, and you point out in the book the fact that in all of the chapels for the Missionaries of Charity founded by St. Teresa of Calcutta, uh, those words, I thirst, are on the wall and uh, indicating that Jesus is more than just thirsty for a drink. 
He's really asking for love. That's the, the deeper meaning. He's, he's asking for a reciprocation of or return of the love that he's giving. He's on the cross giving his body and blood for us. Who will step up and answer to that and give something back? And St. Teresa of Calcutta, I mean, she blows my mind because in, in a number of places, and I've run into this, she has figured out the meaning of different scriptural texts, but without knowing the original languages or doing any of the, you know, exegesis that you're trained to do in grad school, St. Teresa of Calcutta just jumped to the end game on so many, on the interpretation of so much of scripture, because she was just in tune with the Holy Spirit and would get there. So she she nailed the meaning of this passage, and she and her sisters really wanted to be those brides and want to be those brides that step forward and, and give Jesus a return for his love. Life goals. Be like St. Teresa of Calcutta. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, to move us forward, I want to read uh, this section of of the gospel here. This is uh, John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. John writes, this is uh, just after uh, the Blessed Mother is given to John the Apostle at the foot of the cross. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A bowl full of vinegar stood there. So they put a sponge full of the vinegar on a hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. We have a similar translation in the lectionary um, when, when we hear this account from the Gospel of John of the Crucifixion on Good Friday. These words, it is finished. Uh, I understand there's actually a better translation for that, Dr. Bergsma? I like the old Dewey Rings, which renders it, it is consummated. Mm. Because when you render it that way, you hear the echoes of marriage um, of course, you got to do our due diligence and look at the original language, but I have done that. And the Greek word tracks very closely with the Latin word consummatum. And, mm -hmm. and indeed, the Greek word that our Lord uses um, was also, or I should say is recorded in the Gospel of John, is, uh, is also used in the context of marriage. So um, I think that, you know, it's a very rich statement of our Lord, you know, what is finished, what is consummated, quite a bit, the plan of salvation. Dr. Hahn says um, uh, the Lord's final Passover, and I agree with that, but there's also this marital dimension, Anna, the, the act of giving himself for his bridal people is finished. And there's also, I, I can't help mentioning, Anna, a connection back to the wedding at Cana, you know, there the bridal party was thirsty, and Jesus made that enormous amount of the finest wine. Now the shoe's on the other foot, Anna. The bridegroom's thirsty. What do we provide him? Uh, like the worst wine possible and only enough to fill a sponge. So there's a big contrast going on at those two events, Cana and the cross, you know, showing how anemic we really respond 
uh, to Christ's love uh, for us. And then, of course, he gives up his spirit, and the soldiers pierce his side. And, and what comes out, Dr. Bergsma? Yeah, this amazing, you know, I, I refer to it as a river of blood and water. You know, this, this stream gushes forth from Jesus' side of blood and water, and that's, it's, this is the densest image in all Scripture. There's so many levels of meaning of the blood and water that comes forth from Jesus' side. And, uh, but it, the first readers of the Gospels, probably the first thing that they would have thought about was the temple. Mm-hmm. Because during Passover, um, a quarter of a million lambs were slaughtered in the temple, and their blood was washed down a drained a in the temple floor and flowed out. Whoa. And that enormous river of blood and water flowed down the side of the Temple Mount. And so I think the first thing that um, the readers of John would have thought of is Jesus' body as the, as the temple. And that's what we see, you know, of course, going back to John 2, where he speaks of the temple of his body with the temple cleansing. Wow. Tell us about his burial to close us out today, Dr. Bergsma. Yes. So when our Lord is taken down from the cross, you know, Nicodemus comes bringing this hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes. And we think, oh, well, he's just embalming the body. Well, hold on. Go back to the Old Testament and look for myrrh and aloes. Where do you find them? Only in romantic context. Psalm 45, the royal wedding psalm. Uh, the Song of Songs 414, uh, you know, wedding poetry. Um, a romantic scene in Proverbs 7, okay? So myrrh and aloes were these romantic perfumes in the ancient world, like, you know, very expensive colognes or perfumes today. And Nicodemus comes not bringing just like 100 ounces, which would have been an enormous amount, but 100 pounds wow. and just spreads it all over the body. This is like not just a royal wedding. This is like an imperial wedding, basically. <laughs> yeah. And our great divine bridegroom is is given, uh, you know, an imperial uh, wedding burial, kind of <laughs> counterintuitively, wow. as he gives his body uh, to his bride. And uh, and then we haven't even gotten into talking about the Holy Sepulchre, but maybe we can talk about that next time. I would love to. We'll leave it there for now. You can find Love Basics for Catholics linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Bergsma, thank you. Absolutely. Talk to you next time. Sounds good. All right, it's 17 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 
Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. Proclaiming the faith, changing lives. The year was 2010. EWTN provides live coverage of Pope Benedict XVI's historic visit to England and Scotland, including the beatification of Cardinal John Henry Newman. This was the first state visit of a pope to Britain. To learn more about Mother Angelica's life and the history of EWTN, visit EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica. 19 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Fierce fighting is being reported in Gaza City between Israeli troops and Hamas militants today. Pope Francis made another appeal for peace during his general audience yesterday and in his catechesis focused on a 20th century French social worker as the example of apostolic zeal. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Today, the Feast of St. John Lateran. Not a person, not a person, but a building named after. Although Saint John the Baptist is a person, he is a person. But Saint John Lateran is a building. Saint John on the Lateran right. Hill. There you go. In case you're wondering why it got that name, if you, you Google Lateran is not a, the last name of some saint named Saint John. Right. If you Google um, Saint John Lateran, you can find a virtual t- reality tour that the Ooh. Vatican put out. Oh my gosh. That it is like a such, lot of a fun. such a beautiful You should link church. that. Beautiful church. I will. It's 21 minutes past the hour. If you're planning to give an end-of-the-year gift to Sacred Heart Radio, we are grateful. And there are several ways to give, including a stock gift through your IRA or a donor-advised fund. There's planned giving, employee matching funds. You can send a check, donate online, and more. Contact your financial advisor for more information on the tax benefits of donating to Sacred Heart Radio. And to see and read about all the ways to give, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Ways to Give. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center, a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500, 513-248-3500. 
3500 You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. It's time to take a look at Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. Rita, good morning. Well, good morning, my friend. So we get to talk about wheat today. We've talked about it before, and it's hard not to talk about it. It's one of the most mentioned foods in the entire Bible. Oh, it is, in this time of year especially, because we're going to be making stuffing and bread puddings and all that with bread, which is made from wheat. Yeah, and in John, in, in chapter 12, very familiar passage, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain, just like seeds that we plant. And then in Psalm, um, he makes peace within your borders and fills you with the finest wheat. There's been songs made of that passage. Beautiful. Indeed. Uh, wheat is, of course, what you need to make bread. Uh, so uh, this, is, uh, this is something that is a staple of every culture as far back as we can find wheat. So how would it have been used during the time of the Old Testament up to the time of Christ? Well, it's interesting. What they did, Matt, was they threshed the grain and then ground it by hand in stone mills, um, much like they do in some places today, but not very many. Um, and the mills were usually made of something called black basalt, and it's real hard and porous. It has a real rough surface. So it did a good job, but it was a noisy grinding process. So they started before daylight, and it was usually done every day since only enough meal for one day was prepared back then. Remember, no refrigeration, no microwaves. And then the flour was uh, sieved onto trays and then ground even finer with a, a pestle and a stone slab. And then I always remember this, too. When, when the call came from Moses to leave Egypt, what did the people take? They took their kneading troughs with them because um, they knew that bread was essential, so bread-making was essential. So, yeah, you're right. Way back then, it was um, an essential food. And, of course, when they got out in the desert and couldn't make bread anymore, God had to bring him some from heaven. So uh, yeah. <laughs> that's where we get the manna story yeah. from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the difference between bleached and unbleached flour. Well, that's sort of a confusing term, I think. Bleaching is actually a method... Matt, of aging the flour, and as it ages, it gets whiter in color. It starts out like a, a pale gold, and originally, flour was bleached only by aging naturally, but now, um, because time is money, it can go through a, a chemical process, and that's what makes it whiter. Um, but then, if you allow flour to age naturally, it's, again, it's going to cost a little more. I like, um, it's called unbleached flour because it's aged naturally. Um, it's a little more expensive. I really like it. It's not as white in color as bleached, but I think it gives a, a better rise in baked goods. So certain things I'll use um, unbleached flour for. Again, it um, costs a little more than bleached for sure. All right. So I want to take a look at a couple of these recipes that you've mm -hmm. sent. Because when it comes to Thanksgiving and uh, you, let's say you put out a list and ask people what they can bring, anybody who checks that dessert box is likely going to be bringing a pumpkin pie. Yep. But it's nice to mix it up a little bit, maybe work with some of the same flavors. Uh, and uh, that's certainly the case with this pumpkin pecan bread pudding. Tell us about it. Oh, yeah, you got that right. Um, Day-old bread, you're going to use that anyway for your stuffing or dressing, whatever you call. 
Um, and you can make this way ahead and just rewarm it while everybody's eating dinner. Basically, um, you're going to put some day-old bread in a baking dish, and then you're going to whisk together some half-and-half and, half and pumpkin puree, not the filling, but just the plain pumpkin, some sugar, um, eggs, vanilla, and, of course, pumpkin pie spice. And that's going to be a custard. And you just pour that over the bread mat. You want to make sure you cover all the pieces of bread uh, so that each piece is soaking in that custard. And then what I like to do is I like to scatter some pecans on top and swish them down into the pudding. I'll bake it at 350, about an hour. Um, you'll know it's done. It'll be all puffy. And then if you put a knife in the center, it comes out clean. And you can serve that warm or room temperature. Um, you can freeze it ahead of time and rewarm it. It's just wonderful. So I like to serve it with something that I figured you might like. It's a caramel sauce to which I've added a bit of bourbon. How does that sound? So as I was seeing this recipe materialize, <laughs> I was like, this needs to have a little warm maple syrup on it. And then I got down to this second half. I was like, oh, never mind. Rita's got us covered. Oh, you know what, though? The maple syrup would be great in here instead of the bourbon. So let, let me just talk a little bit about that. Um, basically, you're going to take a, a large, heavy saucepan, and you're going to whisk together some brown sugar, some clear corn syrup, some butter, and salt. And you boil that uh, for just a few minutes. And then you lower that to a simmer. And then you add some whipping cream and just whisk that until blended. And then you're going to cook another few minutes. And that thickens um, the sauce up. And then you're going to stir in some vanilla and a little bourbon. But you know what? How about, even instead of vanilla, how about some maple syrup? And you can mm. put the bourbon in or not. So, um, and the bourbon's just about a tablespoon, so it wouldn't make a huge difference. And I like to make that way ahead and then warm it up and just serve, serve it warm over the bread pudding. Really, really nice. And it also makes a nice gift from the kitchen in a jar as well. Very cool. And by the way, Rita Heikeville, this is one of my favorite times of the year to talk to you for so many reasons, uh, because among other things, you can help us get some good recipe ideas so we're less stressed out when uh, it comes time to host a big Thanksgiving dinner. But the other is because this time of year, I get to hear you say the name of that big orange thing that people make pies out of. <laughs> say it for me one more time, just to make my day. What, pumpkin? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, pumpkin. It's, it's just... I know you've been cooking for years, but you still say pumpkin like a, yep. like an Ohio kid. <clears throat> like I love a, it. Yep, like an Ohio native for sure, pumpkin. It's amazing. <laughs> well, we are so grateful for you and uh, some of these great recipes. I know some of our listeners want to go find those and maybe even give you some ideas of some mm -hmm. things that have been worked great in their own families over the years. Uh, all that can be done through abouteating.com. Rita, have a wonderful day. Thanks for some more great insights and recipes. Yes, and Matt, I'll look forward to talking to you next week with more. Sounds great, because Thanksgiving is coming up right around the corner. I mean, it is is—it's hard to believe. I mean, here we are. It's, well, it's two weeks from today. So get ready. Find Rita at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Fierce fighting is being reported in Gaza City between Israeli troops and Hamas militants. Both sides are claiming to have inflicted heavy losses in today's battles. Meanwhile, dozens of countries and organizations from around the world are meeting in Paris to coordinate humanitarian aid to Gaza and to find ways to help wounded civilians leave the battle zone. The U.S. officially opposes Israel reoccupying Gaza once this war ends. 
Mark Mayfield reports. Transport U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said while in Tokyo. His comments came after Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said Israel will have overall security responsibility over Gaza after the war ends. Meanwhile, key international diplomats continue to call for humanitarian pauses in the fighting so aid can be delivered to civilians in Gaza. More than 12,000 people have been killed in the war between Israel and Hamas since it started over a month ago. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis appealed again for peace during his general audience yesterday, marking one month of war between Israel and Hamas. The Pope said, let us not forget martyred Ukraine and let us think of the Palestinian and Israeli peoples. May the Lord bring a just peace. The bishops of Europe have joined in on another appeal for peace in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollock has more. In a statement on the war in the Holy Land, the leaders of Christian churches in Europe have highlighted that, quote, the destruction of life advances no freedom, no truth, no justice. In the declaration, which was released by the Joint Committee of the Council of Bishops of Europe and the Conference of European Churches, the signatories condemn the violence in the Middle East and call on the political leaders of all parties to exercise their responsibility to ensure a ceasefire on all fronts. We demand, they write, that terrorists are brought to justice, that all civilian lives, Jewish, Christian and Muslim, are protected, and that humanitarian corridors are opened to allow access to care and evacuation. Meanwhile, in Jordan, the country's council of the heads of churches has announced the cancellation of all Christmas celebrations and festivities this year out of respect for the victims of violence in Gaza. Celebrations, they note, will be restricted to prayers and church rites, and all church donations for next Sunday will be forwarded to the Gaza Strip for the benefit of its suffering people. Encouraging believers to make donations through the official channels that some of the churches in Jordan have provided for this purpose, the religious leaders call for prayers of peace and harmony. I'm Joseph Tollock. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has answered a series of questions from a Brazilian bishop about whether those who identify as transgender can receive the sacrament of baptism. The Catholic News Agency reports the response is available only in Italian and Portuguese currently. It states that a person identifying as transgender can receive baptism under the same conditions as any adult, quote, if there are no situations in which there is a risk of generating public scandal or disorientation among the faithful. The dicastery also said there must be consideration, quote, especially when there is some doubt about the objective moral situation in which a person finds himself or about his subjective disposition toward grace, end quote. The answer pointed out that the church teaches baptism received without repentance for grave sins, does not bestow sanctifying grace, though it does still give the indelible sacramental mark. After several Election Day losses this week, Republican candidates for president spoke about abortion at their debate in Miami last night. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley said a Republican president would not be able to ban abortion. She argued that a 15-week federal abortion law is not realistic, saying Republicans need to find consensus including banning late-term abortions and encouraging adoption. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott said he did still back a 15-week national limit. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who signed a six-week abortion ban into law in his state, said Republicans need to do a better job on state referenda on abortion. The longest actors' strike in Hollywood history is coming to an end. The Actors Union says the strike will officially end today after a deal was approved 
with a unanimous vote. An agreement will now go to the SAG-AFTRA National Board to be approved tomorrow. Over the last several days, both sides have been putting the final touches on a deal which included protection for actors against AI and a pay increase. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. When you click subscribe at sacredheartradio.com, you get our show notes in your inbox with links to everything featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. To know when your favorite guests are on, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Water heaters, plumbing repair, and drain cleaning backed by Schneller Knockelman's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. skpha.com. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity Health Share. With Solidarity Health Share, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity Health Share. 855-954-5688. Solidarity Health Share. 855-954-5688. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of the dedication of the Basilica of St. John Lateran, Thursday, November 9th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Still warm, but starting to see a fall in temperatures today. Right now, it's kind of rainy with temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly cloudy to partly cloudy today and steady temperatures, a high of 61. Mostly cloudy with a rain chance to the south and an overnight low of 43. Partly cloudy and chillier tomorrow with a high of 57. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, some morning clouds, then afternoon sun today, a high of 60. Mostly cloudy tonight and an overnight low of 40. Partly to mostly sunny tomorrow and a high of 56 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Download the app at sacredheartradio.com. We thank you for joining us on a Thursday, the 9th of November. As I mentioned before, not to freak anybody out, but Thanksgiving is two weeks from today. Be ready for that. Be thankful today, though, anyway. And don't forget that November is a month is dedicated to the holy souls in purgatory. So may they rest in peace. Gary Machuda now joining us from Hands-On Apologetics. We've been going through his book, The Gospel Truth, and there's a lot in here to help you kind of understand why it is that you can trust the gospel accounts. Gary, good morning. Morning, Matt. So one of the things that is, uh, I think, really helpful for us understanding the veracity of the scriptures, like the truth of them, is to figure out how they would have been treated uh, and how these stories would have been treated after the ascension, because these stories, before they're written down, are being carried out by these apostles who are evangelists, but a lot of them are pastors as well. Now, you use the example of John the Apostle and how this might play out with with him since he's connected with one of those Gospels, one of those four Gospels. But uh, if you could kind of like walk through why we should be able to trust John's account and why the people John taught would have had a certain perspective on his account. Yeah, yeah. This really flushes out the whole idea of, uh, you know, that there's an authoritative interpretation of Scripture. So the scenario I pose is that 
let's pretend that we we go on our way back machine to the first century and we're in John's church and he's the gospel reading for today is John 6, which, of course, is the bread of life discourse where Jesus says, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And we hear John's interpretation. So let's say John says this has to do with the Eucharist. Now, the the question that I pose is, what would you, as somebody in the pew, let's say you don't agree with his interpretation. You think John 6 could be interpreted otherwise. You know, who would you defer to? Would you defer to your own reading of John, or would you defer to the apostles' reading? And actually, yeah, Matthew, what would you say? <laughs> uh, I would say I would defer to the guy who was at the Transfiguration and laid his head on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper and who was at the foot of the cross when everybody left. I probably trust that guy, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. his interpretation. Yeah. Right. First, you know, he was an eyewitness. He was there at this, the Capernaum Synagogue when Jesus gave this. Uh, second, you know, he uh, was part of those disciples, and we talked about the rabbi-disciple relationship, that it's not just, you know, listening to Jesus' words, but they're being trained in how to interpret and apply things. Um, and also, don't forget, John is one of the Twelve, and he receives a special gift of the Holy Spirit in John fourteen twenty six that guides them in all truth. So that's, that's a definite plus right there. And then, you know, lest we forget, John is the one who wrote John 6. So he, more than anyone, should understand the true meaning of what he wrote. And basically, for all those reasons, you know, it would stand to reason if you were there in the first century, you would follow as authoritative the apostles' interpretation. And, you know, we could even go further. Uh, you know, even if you still have doubts, you could go to uh, one of the other apostles' churches, right? You could go to Peter's church or Andrew's church or whatever and just ask them, you know, when Jesus was talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood, uh, was he, did he mean the Eucharist or did he mean something else? And what you should find, Matt, is no matter what apostle you go to, they should all basically give the same interpretation. And when they do that, that signals to us that this unity had come about because they all received it from a safe source, namely Jesus. So I don't want to get too much into the generation after these apostles because uh, Irenaeus, for example, makes that very argument. Irenaeus is like, we we got a question. Why don't we just go to one of these churches that was founded by one of these guys who knew Jesus because they probably have the right interpretation. But as I'm thinking about this, I mean, we even use these kinds of verifications today. So you're in Michigan. You're not that far from, we'll just grab one out of the sky, from Sacred Heart Major Seminary, right? You're not super Mm -hmm. far from there. Um, No. You can, you know, kind of generally get a vibe of somebody who comes out of there, how they might have been formed. And specifically, if you know a prof or two over there, you know that a person who studied under a certain guy is going to have a certain take on a certain thing, right? And so that, you know, by having this group of people who are not just a group as apostles, but who are individual guys like John and Matthew and, you know, these, these people would have like, not just their own individual kind of like quirky style, but they would have a style that was part of the vibe of the whole thing, as it were. You would be getting yeah. this comprehensive teaching. You would be getting the same thing, but you'd, getting, you'd be getting John's flavor of it or Matthew's flavor of it, but you wouldn't be getting a different thing. 
Right. Yeah. You get different descriptions, but the descriptions would all be describing the same thing. So, yeah, like you said, you know, uh, somebody might have a flare. Maybe one thing will jump out of them more than another. And, you know, that's what you find in the four Gospels. Uh, whenever they cover the same subject, you'll have some things that are emphasized, maybe some nuances that are brought out, but they all basically say the same thing. Yeah. Well, and we we know this, too. Like, when someone passes in our own world and we go, you know, to the reception and people are telling stories— it's not as though the different stories that different people are telling are talking about different persons. As a matter of fact, uh, a lot of times we'll be talking about a story where multiple people in the room were also actually there at the story. <laughs> and so, right. yeah. um, and depending on which person is telling it, they're going to highlight a certain thing. They're going to say, oh, yeah, Gary was wearing that one shirt, you know, that shirt he always used to wear. Like another person might not have cared about that detail. Um, so these are these are things that, I mean – because we read the the Gospels this many centuries, a couple millennia detached from when they were written, I think it's easy for us to forget that the people who wrote these were people, right? <laughs> they were people right? who would have yeah. picked up on, on like human things and communicated them in a human way once they went out. They weren't like in a box inside the Gospels, and then they died, and then people are like, oh, I wonder what John thought. Like, no, the people who studied at John's church knew what John thought. Exactly. Yeah, and this is why I love this scenario, because first, it's very common sense and realistic, but it also is a great question to challenge our separated brethren with, especially those who believe in the Bible alone. And I've used this before, where, you know, who would you believe, whose interpretation would it be how you read the text or how John reads the text? And many times it's met with silence, because they, they know they would say John for all the reasons that we just mentioned. But, you know, by saying that, you realize that Scripture really isn't a matter of one's personal interpretation. You know, the, ultimately, there is a guiding uh, rule of faith that you have to read Scripture in light of. Well, in order to make that sort of great apostasy argument that a lot of people make, um, that once John dies, uh, once Matthew dies, once these people die— then the real interpretation is lost for, you know, just centuries upon centuries. Well, in order to believe that, what you have to believe about John is that he was in the inner circle of Jesus. He wrote an inspired uh, gospel with the help of the Holy Spirit. He wrote three incredible letters with the help of the Holy Spirit. But he was the worst Sunday school teacher of all time. Because <laughs> literally right. nobody learned anything from him except for in those letters and that gospel. Yeah, or or the entire congregation got amnesia simultaneously, or they all clicked to the same wrong interpretation of John. And not only in John's—it's even worse than that, Matt, because you would have to posit that it happened not only in John's church, but in Peter's and Andrew's and all the other apostles, you know, uh, churches that they were their pastors at. And they all do it simultaneously and in the, the same way. Uh that just is so unnatural and so, you know, out there that I, I think any serious person would say, no, that's just not possible. There couldn't have been this giant apostasy that occurred. Well, I know that there's probably some priests listening right now who are like, well, I don't know, man. I preach on a Sunday, and I feel like half the people forget like two minutes after I stop talking. But the other <laughs> half will remember, <laughs> you know, or the other two-thirds yeah. or the other third or the other 10%. will There will be people who remember every word that you say, uh, especially if you are their pastor. So 
Gary Machuda, we've got your book, The Gospel Truth, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. You too, man. Again, find Gary's uh, excellent, excellent apostolate, hands-on apologetics there as well, linked in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Courtney Brown joins us next. It's 14 Till. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child, what is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere this Friday. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. I don't like looking back. I prefer to look forward and keep moving forward. There's plenty to cover. I do a lot of research and try to dig out the bits and pieces of a life or of an agenda that people don't want to talk about. The World Over with Raymond Arroyo. Tonight, 8 Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television. next more to life resolving resistance frustrated with a stubborn person in your life let us help you break through that's later today on more to life now back to the sunrise morning show now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Courtney Brown, Executive Director of the Rua Woods Institute. We're getting another mini lesson from Revealed, their K-12 Theology of the Body Curriculum. Courtney, welcome back. Oh, thank you. How are you doing today? I am doing fine. I'm excited to talk to you about the second grade curriculum. Um, the mini lesson today is going to be on a very key theme from Theology of the Body, which is the gift of self. Tell us about this. Sure. So as you know, second grade is a sacramental year, right? They mm-hmm. receive precious body and blood of our Lord. And what a apropos theme to kind of work with the second graders with, with this idea of giving themselves to the Lord. And he himself, you know, initiates that gift with giving us his uh, his body of blood, you know. So, you know, JP2 was big. This was kind of, if I had to summarize some of his pontificates, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could do this, but one of them is this uh, this lens or a theme that man cannot know himself unless he makes a sincere gift himself. Yeah. So to break this open, what 
we use uh, we use a story that I absolutely love. It's called the Quilt Baker's Gift, and the base of this story is about a woman, an old lady, who makes quilts purely for the poor and those that are less fortunate in her village. Now, the king in the village is, happens to be greedy and, you know, is always receiving gifts and is looking for happiness by the things he grasps. And that's a big concept there, too, this idea of grasping. And so he's looking for and hears about these quilts, these special quilts that this old lady makes and feels that if he can at least have one of those, he would be happy. But she, in order to give him a quilt, she says, no, unless the only way I'll do it is if you get rid of your things. And every time you get rid of something... I will make a piece of the quilt. So he would begrudgingly wouldn't do it. So he tried to imprison her. You know, it sounds familiar, right? Mm-hmm. Were, you know, and then at one point he puts her on an island, but each time she was safe. So he begrudgingly just starts to get rid of his things. And as he did one by one, she would make a piece of the quilt. And it got to the point where he started love doing it in the joy, just by giving a marble to a kid and how, how he took that in and giving it and the, talking to everybody about the king. You know, like a little boy that received a game ball from Joe Burrow. Um, yeah. Just the joy that came out of that. And as he started, he started to feel joy because he was making himself a gift and giving those things. And the way the story ends is essentially he has nothing left to give. So when she gives him the quilt, he then ends up going to give that quilt to the poor. And it even turns out to where his throne, he allows the old lady to quilt on his throne. And then he goes and delivers those quilts to the poor. So it kind of, it's a real powerful story for the kids to get this idea of what it means to give of self. And the activity, we actually, in one of the quilts, they actually examine and think about things that they can get rid of and give to others. Mm-hmm. So we really try to walk them through that process. I was so struck by this story when I read it. I mean, this... These mini lessons have been so valuable to me, even just to get ideas for stories to to read to my children. I want to read um, a few sections of Gaudium et Spes 24, which I think is is one of the the pivotal passages out of Vatican II for John Paul II and his entire pontificate. You were alluding to it earlier. Uh, it says, "God, who has fatherly concern for everyone." has willed that all men should constitute one family and treat one another in a spirit of brotherhood for having been created in the image of God, who from one man has created the whole human race and made them live all over the face of the earth. All men are called to one and the same goal, namely God himself. For this reason, love for God and neighbor is the first and greatest commandment. It goes on. Indeed, the Lord Jesus, when he prayed to the Father that all may be one as we are one, opened up vistas closed to human reason, for he implied a certain likeness between the union of the divine persons and the unity of God's sons in truth and charity. This likeness reveals that man, who is the only creature on earth which God willed for itself, cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of himself. And I was... So amazed, Courtney, at how well this book, the quilt makers, the the quilt makers gift portrayed this because this woman showed true love, not in giving the quilt, but in teaching this king that he needs to show true love and give of himself. It was incredible. 
That's exactly right. So there's a distinction between grasping for the gift and receiving the gift. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, that story reminds me of a time when I took back when I was in New Orleans as a youth minister. Uh, we went and did this mission trip in Jamaica. To the, the order was called Missionaries of the Poor. It was not a Mother Teresa order, but this uh, it was a group of men, brothers, and they would serve uh, people who were left on the street to die. And these people needed to be bathed. They needed to be cared for. So it, it kind of felt like those stories we heard of Mother Teresa. But I took a youth group there, about 25 of us. And my, most of my teens were affluent. They were a very affluent area. Mm-hmm. And this one girl who struggled with anxiety, at the end of the, every day, we would do, uh, not glory stories, but we would do recaps of the day and what touched them. And she gets up and just starts crying. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this is going to be terrible. I'm going to have to call home. I'm going to have to get her parents. This is going to be. But she says, I can't stop crying because it's the first time I'm not just thinking of myself. And I remember that. That's 17 year old saying that the freedom she felt and no longer having that kind of imprisonment of just focusing on self, but realizing that I'm meant and created to be a gift and that to be the hands and feet of Christ. That that's exactly what you just said. And that's like how we are united with the Lord. It, in fact, when Christ dies for us, he does. He opens this door for us to see what the Christian life is all about. Is that essentially that death has meaning, suffering has meaning. And that in this life, when we suffer, it's we're more closer to Christ in that capacity than when we're not. And, you know, we live in a culture that tells you avoid all pain, avoid all suffering at all costs. And it's convenience, this, uh, the altar of convenience. And then even like, I was thinking about this this morning in prayer, just how, how when we help our kids understand that they can't just get anything, that they have to work for it. And that, yeah, to make us, themselves a gift to others. Absolutely. And That'll lead to happiness. So beautiful. Revealed is the name of the Theology of the Body curriculum. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com through the Rua Woods Institute. We've been talking to Courtney Brown. Courtney, beautiful lesson this morning. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. You do the same. Thank you very much. All right. That'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. We'll look forward to talking to you again tomorrow, EWTN. We got another hour coming up for our local listeners and those of you listening on the sunrise morning show app may god bless you and keep you and grant you his peace why do so many businesses choose to underwrite sacred heart radio it's because our radio signals reach over 600,000 catholics locally who've told us they want to use the businesses they hear on sacred heart radio listeners that are also in the perfect target consumer group according to our latest survey and this is the ideal time to get your business in front of our listeners with our special christmas underwriting packages to find out more email me leah at sacredheartradio.com that's leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hi, I'm Mara Kegney-Tipton with the Kegney Family and Cowell Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, brother, Patrick, and I are here to help your family find the perfect home. If you have any real estate questions, 513-720-1411. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brosartpharmacy.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. The Catholic Church teaches the importance of a respectful Christian burial for the body, which was a temple of the Holy Spirit here on earth. 
This includes cremated remains, which is the body in a different form. The prayerful, peaceful atmosphere of the consecrated grounds of Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery reflect respect for those laid to rest there and for their loved ones. Be prepared and give the gift of peace of mind to your family. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at WimbergLandscaping.com. That's WimbergLandscaping.com. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com That's Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com I'm Father Chet Artashevitz of the Glen Mary Home Missioners, and thank you so much for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Arise, it's a new Continue on a Thursday morning, this ninth day of the month of November, by praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, instruct us in your ways, lead us in your paths. We pray for the church throughout the world that you may grant it unity and peace. We pray for the Pope and all bishops, grant wisdom and discernment to see the road you have laid out for us. We pray for our local church, grant vision to see beyond our own boundaries and to serve your universal reign. O oh God, you dwell in our midst, even as you call us to walk forward toward the future dwelling place which you have promised for all your people. Keep us faithful to the way you have laid out for us, so that one church with one shepherd, we may follow where you lead us through Christ our Lord. Amen. It is a better way to start a Thursday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show. Glad you're along. Some of you have been with us for a couple of hours, but now we get to focus on our Sacred Heart Radio audience. So I get to tell you that in less than a month, we will have our Advent Pledge Drive, which, of course, if you didn't think it was important to support Catholic Radio and kind of the, the wild things that our culture is kind of throwing all over the place and how important it is to have a Catholic anchor in the midst of them all, hopefully this week has uh, helped to get some of our attentions uh, about the kinds of voices we need to be upholding and supporting. So think and pray now about how you uh, can hopefully support Sacred Heart Radio in our upcoming Advent Pledge Drive on December 6th. Up this hour, we've got much to talk about. Anna Mitchell's got news. Paul Lockman has sports. Uh, we're going to talk to Danielle Bean. Hospitality tips for the introverted. She's got some ideas. Father John Gavin along as, as well. Uh, we'll also talk to Dr. Mark Moitoza. And uh, he is with the Archdiocese of Military Services, 
And tomorrow is Veterans Day Observed. He's got some thoughts on helping uh, veterans heal from trauma with the help of the sacraments. So that'll be a great conversation with him here later this hour. Two minutes past, news of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning, Ohio House. Republicans say the abortion fight is not over after the passage of Issue 1 on Tuesday. The constitutional amendment passed by about a 55% margin. Top Republican lawmakers are saying they'll do what they can to repeal or replace Issue 1. On the other side of the aisle, state Democrats say they are planning on introducing legislation to repeal some of Ohio's abortion laws in wake of Tuesday's vote. Meanwhile, after several Election Day losses this week, Republican candidates for president spoke about abortion at their debate last night in Miami. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley said a Republican president would not be able to ban abortion, arguing that a 15-week federal abortion law is not realistic, saying Republicans need to find consensus, including banning late-term abortions and encouraging adoption. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott said he still backs a 15-week national limit on abortion. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who signed a six-week abortion ban into law in his state, said Republicans need to do a better job on state referenda on abortion. Fierce fighting is being reported in Gaza City between Israeli troops and Hamas militants today, both sides claiming to have inflicted heavy losses in today's battles. Meanwhile, dozens of countries and organizations from around the world are meeting in Paris to coordinate humanitarian aid to Gaza and to find ways to help wounded civilians leave the battle zone. In a report from the U.S. and Israel, says the U.S. and Israel are discussing a three-day pause in the war against Hamas. More from Mark Mayfield. NBC News says that Qatar is also involved in the discussions that would allow for more humanitarian aid into Gaza and perhaps the release of some hostages held by Hamas. Qatar is reportedly acting as an intermediary. Israel has always held firm that Hamas must free all of the roughly 240 hostages before it will agree to any ceasefire. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis made another appeal for peace during his general audience yesterday, which marked one month of war between Israel and Hamas. The Holy Father said, quote, let us not forget martyred Ukraine and let us think of the Palestinian and Israeli peoples. May the Lord bring a just peace. In his catechesis, the Pope continued his series on those who embody apostolic zeal, focusing this time on a 20th century French social worker. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Servants of God, Madeleine de Burel, offers an example of how to embrace our baptismal call to share the joy of the gospel. The Holy Father urged the faithful to learn from the 20th century French social worker, writer, and mystic, who for more than three decades prayed, lived, and worked among the poor in Paris's peripheries. After a period of agnosticism in her youth, the Pope recalled, Madeleine encountered Christ through the witness of her friends, and following her conversion, chose to live a life completely devoted to God. She set out in search of God, the Holy Father said, giving voice to a deep thirst she felt within her. In doing so, he observed, she came to understand that the emptiness that cried out in her anguish was God seeking her. The joy of faith, he continued, led her to mature a choice of life entirely given to God. The Holy Father recalled how she poetically addressed Jesus when writing. Poeticamente si rivolgeva a Gesù così. 
To be with you on your way, we must go, even when our laziness begs us to stay. Madeleine, he noted, was deeply moved by the plight of the poor. Madeleine aveva il cuore continuamente in uscita. The French Venerable's example of apostolic zeal, the Holy Father said, reminds us of our baptismal mission to share the gospel joy with others. And in the process, he added, it inspires us to grow in fidelity to the twin commandments of love of God and love of all our brothers and sisters. I'm Deborah Castellano Lubov. 8.06 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Ackman. Thank you. Thank you very much, Hannah Mitch. Yeah, uh, turn up my mic. Turn down your mic. All right, sorry about that. Didn't mean to cut you off there, Anna. How about this uh, Thursday night football? Ooh, not a good game. Chicago Bears will host the uh, Carolina Panthers, a battle of two last-place teams. Chicago enters at 2-7, and seven, and Carolina a uh, appalling 1-7. and seven. So not ideal for... Thursday night football. How about the Bengals? They uh, need to uh, gear up for their Week 10 matchup against the Houston Texans. Well, the injury report says Jamar Chase missed yesterday's practice with back soreness. Wide receiver T. Higgins was also limited with a hamstring injury, but uh, is expected to play. Cincinnati will hopefully be on top of their game as C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans enter Paycor Stadium on Sunday. College football Back in action, Ohio State will uh, face off against Michigan State on Saturday, trying to keep their perfect season alive. Cincinnati will visit Houston. Last night, saw Miami of Ohio have no problem with the Zips, the Akron Zips. Nice. Uh, Miami of Ohio dealt them a 19 to nothing loss. Red Hawks, surprisingly, 8-2 and two on the season. Really? Yeah, they wow. just two losses. They lost to Toledo and uh, Miami of Florida, and of course They're they did. They're doing better than UC then, aren't well, they? Well, they most certainly did. They proved that by uh, beating UC earlier this year. Yeah. So uh, c- credit to uh, the Miami Red Hawks and their football season. So there you go. Let's get a look at traffic now. A service of Rose Automotive, pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton, on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Take it away. There's an accident on southbound 71. It's been moved over to the right shoulder. This is at Pfeiffer, and the backup behind it is back toward Kings Island. So you're going to need some extra time getting through that, and you'll remain slow until uh, you get down toward Kenwood. Southbound 75 is slowing through the Lachlan split. Eastbound 74 You are on the brakes from North Bend into the 75 interchange. Northbound 7175 is slowing from Turfway up to the Cutting Hill. I had a message from a listener in Boston who listens on the app and hears our traffic reports and was like, what's the Cutting the Hill? It's a place on the interstate that is really, really pretty. You come around. I think the slowdown always happens because you're like looking at the city in awe. That's my theory anyway. So. Anyway, you're slowing until you get to the cut in the hill, and then you're all right. Northbound 471, slowing from Alexandria Pike up to the river. Now, for weather, starting to see the chillier temperatures, but it's not going to be bad today. I think it's still enjoyable today. Mostly cloudy to partly cloudy in Cincinnati today with a high of 61 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight. There is a rain chance to the south with an overnight low of 43 Partly cloudy tomorrow and a little chillier with a high of 57. 
For the Miami Valley, Dayton area, some morning clouds, then increasing afternoon sun, a high today of 60 degrees, mostly cloudy tonight, and an overnight low of 40, partly to mostly sunny tomorrow, and a high of 56 degrees. Today is Thursday, November the 9th. It is the feast of the dedication of the Basilica of St. John Lateran. The church that is standing today, not the original one, but this is the first cathedral that was allowed to be built by the Emperor Constantine after his conversion. The Eastern Catholics call Constantine the Great, equal to the apostles. His mother, Helena, as well. Anyway, just a little tidbit. Happy to have you along with us here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Danielle Bean back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. You can connect with her at daniellebean.com. Listen to her girlfriend's podcast through goodcatholic.com. Join the community at girlfriendscommunity.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fine, and I suppose I'm looking forward to getting more Hospitality 101 for the introvert, (laughs) otherwise known as Hospitality for Dummies. (laughs) You know, when I was thinking about what we were going to talk about today, Danielle, I started thinking about Martha and Mary, um, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people think about this story when they think about hospitality. But I was, you know, I think Martha actually wanted to be present because Jesus is there. She wanted to be there with her guest, but it also felt like she needed to have everything just right. Now, Mm -hmm. I, in contrast, um, as an introvert, want to be Martha at every single gathering um, because I don't want to be present. I want to hide behind my cooking (laughs) and everything so that I don't have to engage with people so much. But why do I need to be present to my guests? Yeah, well, because that's what it's all about, right? I think we women especially love that story because we can see ourselves in it. We can see our own interior struggles with similar things in our lives. And the idea of hospitality really goes so much further than, like, hosting a party or, you know, doing the dishes or planning a meal. It's it's about building community and relationships and connection with one another. And that's what Jesus was inviting Mary and Martha to see in that gospel story, that People are more important than things, and we have a need, like a natural need for connection with others, especially connection with the Lord. And, you know, what I love about that story is that when our Lord interrupts Martha, and it is an interruption, right, where she's like so sure, right? She's like, she's so irate and so sure she's correct. She's like yelling at him, you know, do you not care, she says to him, (laughs) and tell her to help me, right? Like, isn't this how we sometimes approach the Lord? We're so sure about what is right and what needs to happen, and we kind of just boss him around like that. But I love that he just lovingly, just very gently corrects her there. And what he does not say is, don't do any of that stuff. It doesn't matter, right? Because that's not true. It does matter, and it is good for us to do all those things. But he's inviting her to see the better part, to embrace the better part, which this is such a dramatic story, right? Because the part that she's missing, the better part is Jesus who's standing in her living room, right? While she's in the kitchen doing the dishes. And yet how many of us do that, right? Whether it's because we're introverted and we're avoiding, that's very natural. I can understand that. Um, Or if it's because we just kind of get lost in those details and forget our priorities. But we need to be prioritizing 
people over things. And that's how you be that fantastic hostess. Not because everything's Martha Stewart perfect and, you know, may it all be this holiday season, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to be. Like, (laughs) there's going to be some mess-ups. There's going to be some burnt things in the oven. There's going to be some arguments over the dinner table. Like, it's going to be like that. We're human and we're flawed. And so some of it's going to be messed up in that way. And yet, in, in all of that, our Lord is inviting all of us to see in this very gentle, loving way, saying our name two times, interrupting us as we think we're doing what's most important, right? Um, interrupting us and inviting us to see that a relationship with him and that relationship with others is ultimately the better part, the more important thing. Yeah, and just a little glimpse into the head of Annie right now, <laughs> the heart of Annie right now. So as I was thinking about this story and thinking, well, yeah, I kind of prefer to be Martha, but you know what? She had Jesus there, and so it's okay for me to, like, hide behind because I don't have Jesus coming to my house. Of course I would want to sit at Jesus' feet and connect with him. And then and then there was Annie, Annie. <laughs> you are connecting with Jesus when you connect with other people. Right. That was right. hard. He told us that. Yeah. He told us that, that we meet him in other people. And easy to forget, right? But I love that you kind of had that, that thought process and that moment in prayer where he's reminding you what, what is most important. And, and you know, our Lord is so gentle with us, and he, he's, not, he's not, you know, tearing us apart, and he's not telling us we've messed up everything, but he wants what's very best for us in all cases, and that's what he's inviting us to see. Yep. Okay. So now that I've properly chastised myself in this regard, I need some real <laughs> advice, Danielle. How how do I plan so that I can connect well with my guests? Yeah, I would say, you know, have a plan, first of all, right? And I don't mean like nitty gritty plan, you know, minute by minute, how you're going to put together Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, have a plan for how you're going to connect with the people who are coming into your home, whether it's for Thanksgiving dinner or it's a potluck on a Sunday afternoon or people coming over to watch the game. Like, have a plan for how you're going to interact with those people. Even say a prayer beforehand. Ask uh, ask God to help you see how you can connect with those people. Ask him to bless your time together. Ask him to bless the community that you are building and the relationships that you're hoping will go further as a result of this everyday connection that you're making in your moment of hospitality. Mm -hmm. I think um, there was a a point that you made in your podcast on this over at goodcatholic.com about thinking about their lives ahead of time so that you have Mm -hmm. good questions to ask them about how their life is going. I find that really valuable. Yeah, and it's just, it's such a, you know, it seems like a no-brainer, but maybe we forget to do that. I mean, have you ever found yourself in conversation with someone at a social event, and I know I've done this, all of a sudden I think, I have absolutely nothing to say. Yeah, oh, <laughs> all the time, moments, Danielle. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so then, you know, if you could, if you just plan a little bit ahead of time, give it a little bit of thought, give it a little bit of prayer, you know, think about what's going on in their lives, be curious about them, ask questions about their lives. Not in a prying way, right? Not mm-hmm. in a demanding way, but show genuine caring and curiosity about what's going on with them, what they care about, what they love. If you can tap into something that someone loves and wants to share with you about, that's a gem for a great conversation. That's going to help the two of you connect and you get to know that person better. Yeah, this this needs to happen, Danielle. I'm so <laughs> inspired by this conversation. So I really, really, really appreciate your help in this regard. Go to goodcatholic.com to check out 
the Girlfriends podcast on hospitality with Danielle Bean. You can also find her website, daniellebean.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Danielle, thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. You too. Thank you very much. All right, it's 18 past. we got traffic and weather coming up next. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith when John Clark will discuss his new book, Betrayed Without a Kiss. Dr. Jennifer Roback Morris will share the latest news from the Ruth Institute. I will reflect on the Feast of the Dedication of St. John Lateran Church with frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Looking for a special gift for a loved one this holiday season? Consider an offering of rest, prayer, and a time for reflection. Give the gift of a weekend retreat at the Jesuit Spiritual Center, a time to get away from the busyness of life and embrace God's love and mercy. Call now at 513-248-3500 for more information. That's 513-248-3500, 513-248-3500. Food makes the party and you can find the perfect party foods at bridgetown finer meats a proud supporter of sacred heart radio from mini sandwiches to their jumbo pretzel sandwich meat and cheese or vegetable and relish trays bridgetown finer meats can make hosting a party a breeze and choose your wine while you're there the bfm wine shop has high quality wines from all over the world bridgetown finer meats on bridgetown road 513-574-3100 on the web at bridgetownfinermeats.com Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. 20 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. This traffic report is service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. They cleared up the accident on southbound 71, but you are still dealing with a slowdown from about Field Zertle down toward Kenwood. Southbound 75 running slow uh, as you approach and head through the Lachlan split. Eastbound 74. You remain on the brakes from just past North Bend into the 75 interchange and in northern Kentucky, northbound 7175, slowing from Turfway up toward the cut in the hill, northbound 471, often on heavy and slow from 275 up to the river. Now for weather, mostly cloudy to partly cloudy today in Cincinnati. Temperatures remaining steady from these uh, early morning temperatures, a high today of 61 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight, some rain expected to the south with an overnight low of 43. Partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of 57. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, some morning clouds, then afternoon sun and a high of 60 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 40. Partly to mostly sunny tomorrow and a high of 56 degrees. I think I'm just going to continue praying this prayer for Ohio as we have been leading up to Election Day, and now more than ever, Ohio needs prayers. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. 
Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, protector of the unborn, pray for us. Father John Gavin joins us next. It's 22 past. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. Support comes from On a Mission to Love. For books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more. All deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Father John Gavin joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Father, welcome back. Thank you. So we are going to be unpacking paragraph 795 in the Catechism. And uh, we are in a section on the church, learning about the church under the uh, profession of faith. And um, this has a number of quotes in this paragraph, um, two of which come from church fathers, but there are also quotes from Aquinas and Joan of Arc. So here is paragraph 795. Christ and his church thus together make up the whole Christ, Christus totus. The church is one with Christ. The saints are acutely aware of this unity. So here the quote from St. Augustine. Let us rejoice then and give thanks that we have become not only Christians, but Christ himself. Do you understand and grasp, brethren, God's grace towards us? Marvel and rejoice. We have become Christ. For if he is the head, we are the members. He and we together are the whole man. The fullness of Christ, then, is the head and the members. But what does head and members mean? Christ and the church. And then from Pope St. Gregory the Great, he says, our Redeemer has shown himself to be one person with the Holy Church whom he has taken to himself. Then Aquinas, head and members form as it were one and the same mystical person. And then a reply of St. Joan of Arc to her judges sums up the faith of the holy doctors 
and the good sense of the believer. She says, about Christ and the church, I simply know they're just one thing, and we shouldn't complicate the matter. (laughs) I just had to read that one from Joan of Arc. I love it. But we are going to be talking about uh, Augustine and and Pope St. Gregory the Great in our conversation. This is an incredible quote from St. Augustine. Where is it from? So this quote comes from one of Augustine's sermons on the Gospel of John, and it's actually treating uh, in the sermon, uh, this particular one, number 21, uh, John 5, verse 20, where we hear, uh, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him that you may marvel. Mm. And the connection that Augustine makes there with the image of the Church as the body of Christ is that uh, that union is so intimate with our Lord that all that the Son receives from the Father, he is in fact sharing with all the members, just as the head shares the gift of sight with the body, with all members of the body. Augustine builds that image. Uh, so Christ shares all that he receives from the Father, all the works of the Father with us in that intimate union. So it's a wonderful way of commenting on that verse from John. And Pope St. Gregory puts it rather tersely, but um, but gives us the exact same idea. Our Redeemer has shown himself to be one person with the Holy Church whom he has taken to himself. Where does that quote come from? <laughs> So that quote comes from a series of uh, reflections on the book of Job, Moralia in Job, that uh, Pope St. Gregory wrote. The connection that he makes here to the body of Christ is he's, it's actually from the preface, and he's talking about Job uh, and the sufferings of Job as being a type of Christ, uh, the way in which Job suffers, uh, the patient's all pointing to, of course, our Lord's passion and the giving of his life for us on the cross. And Job can be a type of Christ, according to uh, Pope Gregory, because he is united to the body, right? Uh, And through the grace, union with the body, uh, he is also in his life, when he's living out his life, he is able to point to the person of Christ, And this is something that Gregory emphasizes for us. As members of the body, uh, we are also, in the way we live out our Christian vocation, our our uh, baptismal grace, are always pointing to the head of the body, uh, that is, to to, to Christ. Uh, So it's a a wonderful connection that uh, Pope St. Gregory makes there for us. You keep mentioning suffering, Father. Can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit more about that? Sure. So the idea here, of course, is uh, our intimate union through our baptism with our Lord, that is uh, the body of Christ and the Church, means that we are also in following him to experience what he uh, himself experienced, right, and the way he shows us. And that is going to include, as we know, the Passion and the Cross, right, Uh, so that individually but together as a Church— uh, we should not expect that we're going to avoid the passion of the cross in this union with him. But rather, uh, that is something gifted, because, of course, it is with him in that union uh, that 
in sharing in the passion and the cross, we also come to share in the resurrection, right? Uh, so, again, it comes back to that union, but it's always how we come to participate in the life of Christ himself. And as you were mentioning, too, that doesn't take away from from the diversity of the church. Um, we mm-hmm. we are many parts in one body, just to go hearken back to St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's the that's the beauty of the image, right? Uh, Augustine, I, I mentioned earlier, uses that idea of sight, that the sight is the, in, in the head, but that sight is shared throughout all the individual members so that each member may fulfill its, its mission, right, uh, from fingers to toes. Mm. And so it is in the life of the Church. Every person is called uh, by Christ, uh, sent by Christ, and in that union, uh, all our gifts come together to form the Church, but always infused with that grace from the head, who is Christ. And finally, why is this in the section of the Creed on the Holy Spirit? So what we were looking at, uh, when we were looking at the Holy Spirit earlier, we saw how the Church is, of course, formed in that union through uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we see that at Pentecost and what takes place there. Uh, individuals from uh, the Apostles to Mary, right, uh, are in that gift of the Holy Spirit, brought, uh, fully united with the Lord, and then come to speak with His voice. Wow, thank you so much, Father John Gavin. You can find his book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. 31 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. Ohio House Republicans say the fight over the right to life is not over after the passage of Issue 1 earlier this week. The constitutional amendment passed by a 55% margin and is self-executing. Top Republican lawmakers now are saying they will do what they can to repeal or replace Issue 1. But on the other side of the aisle, state Democrats are planning on introducing legislation to repeal some of the Ohio abortion laws in the wake of Tuesday's vote. After several election day losses around the country concerning abortion this week, Republican candidates for president spoke about the issue during their debate in Miami last night. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley said a Republican president would not be able to ban abortion She said a 15-week federal abortion law is not realistic and said Republicans need to find consensus, including banning late-term abortions and encouraging adoption. South Carolina Senator Tim Tim Scott said he still backs a 15-week national limit. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who signed a six-week abortion ban in Florida, said Republicans need to do a better job on state referenda on abortion. Fierce fighting is being reported in Gaza City between Israeli troops and Hamas militants. Both sides are claiming to have inflicted heavy losses in today's battles. Dozens of countries, meanwhile, from around the world are meeting in Paris, and organizations from around the world are meeting in Paris to coordinate humanitarian aid to Gaza and to find ways to help wounded civilians leave the battle zone. The U.S. has said they oppose Israel reoccupying Gaza once the war ends. Mark Mayfield has more. That's what U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said while in Tokyo. His comments came after Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said Israel will have overall security responsibility over Gaza after the war ends. 
Meanwhile, key international diplomats continue to call for humanitarian pauses in the fighting so aid can be delivered to civilians in Gaza. More than 12,000 people have been killed in the war between Israel and Hamas since it started over a month ago. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis made another appeal for peace during his general audience yesterday, marking one month of war between Israel and Hamas. The Pope said, let us not forget martyred Ukraine and let us think of the Palestinian and Israeli peoples. May the Lord bring a just peace. In his catechesis, he continued his series on those who embody apostolic zeal, focusing this time on a 20th century French social worker. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Servants of God, Madeleine de Brel offers an example of how to embrace our baptismal call to share the joy of the gospel. The Holy Father urged the faithful to learn from the 20th century French social worker, writer, and mystic who, for more than three decades, prayed, lived, and worked among the poor in Paris's peripheries. After a period of agnosticism in her youth, the Pope recalled, Madeleine encountered Christ through the witness of her friends, and following her conversion, to live a life completely devoted to God. She set out in search of God, the Holy Father said, giving voice to a deep thirst she felt within her. In doing so, he observed, she came to understand that the emptiness that cried out in her anguish was God seeking her. The joy of faith, he continued, led her to mature a choice of life entirely given to God. The Holy Father recalled how she poetically addressed Jesus when writing. Poeticamente, si rivolgeva a Gesù così. To be with you on your way, we must go, even when our laziness begs us to stay. Madeleine, he noted, was deeply moved by the plight of the poor. The French Venerable's example of apostolic zeal, the Holy Father said, reminds us of our baptismal mission to share the gospel joy with others. And in the process, he added, it inspires us to grow in fidelity to the twin commandments of love of God and love of all our brothers and sisters. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has answered a series of questions from a Brazilian bishop about whether those who identify as transgender can receive the sacrament of baptism. The Catholic News Agency reports the response is available only in Italian and Portuguese. Currently, it states that a person identifying as transgender can receive baptism under the same conditions as any adult, quote, if there are no situations in which there is a risk of generating a public scandal or disorientation among the faithful. The dicastery also said there must be consideration, especially when there is some doubt about the objective moral situation in which a person finds himself or about his subjective disposition toward grace. The remarks pointed out that the church teaches that baptism received without repentance for grave sins does not bestow sanctifying grace, though it still gives the indelible sacramental mark. And RSV will be making its rounds this season. The most vulnerable are elderly and infants. Trey Thomas has more. Dr. Alenia Stevens says infants are most at risk of death from RSV. Most people by the age of two will be exposed to RSV and find some immunity. But babies don't always have all of the immune system to kind of fight the virus. She says there's a vaccine for expected mothers that lowers the risk of an infant being hospitalized with RSV by half. RSV is the leading cause of infant hospitalization in the United States. I'm Trey Thomas. 8.37 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. 
There's Paul Lockman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. The uh, Cincinnati Bengals hoping that their star wide receivers will suit up for Week 10's matchup against Houston. Jamar Chase missed yesterday's practice with back soreness. Fellow wide receiver T. Higgins was limited with a hamstring injury, but is expected to play Cincinnati. Tied with the Browns and Steelers for second place in the AFC North and will host the Texans on Sunday afternoon. Week 10's edition of Thursday Night Football might be a stinker. Uh, the Chicago Bears host the Carolina Panthers at Soldier Field. Chicago last place in the NFC North with a 2-7 and seven record. Carolina last place in the NFC South with a 1-7 and seven record. Chicago did send the top pick in the draft to Carolina so that the Panthers could select their uh, quarterback of the future, Bryce Young, who has struggled so far this year. Eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. That's a check-in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Sacred Heart Radio volunteers. Wednesday, December 6th is our Advent Pledge Drive, and we need volunteers to answer phones from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. that day. If you can help, even for an hour, call 513-731-7740 or visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. We need your help to raise $60,000 on Wednesday, December 6th. If you can answer phones anytime that day, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. Archbishop Dennis Schnur will celebrate the Archdiocese of Cincinnati's annual Caregiver Mass, Sunday, November 19th at 11 a.m. at the Cathedral Basilica of St. Peter and Chains. For details, visit sacredheartradio.com slash events. Oh, Jesus, divine Savior, from whose heart comes forth this bitter complaint, I looked for one that would comfort me, and I found none. Graciously accept the feeble consolation we offer you, and aid us so powerfully by your grace, that we may, for the time to come, shun more and more all that can displease you, and prove ourselves in everything your most faithful and devoted servants. Amen. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. We're headed into Veterans Day weekend. It gets moved to a Friday this year uh, because it is a federal holiday. And joining us now is Dr. Mark Matoza, Vice Chancellor for Evangelization for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you. So uh, I want to talk about this warrior ethos and moral injury uh, presentation that you've done. Uh, and I think this is a topic that's close to lots of our hearts. Uh, lots of us know people who have served. Lots of our listeners have served. Uh, what were you trying to explore uh, in this regard? 
that uh, particular presentation was given to all the Catholic chaplains in the Archdiocese for the military services, and it was an attempt to really help them connect with some language about what it means to have uh, to deal with these experiences of a soul wound. So in a high-stakes situation in military settings, whether that's in a deployed experience or military training or experiences of military sexual trauma, all these different uh, types of experiences uh, that uh, contradict deeply held moral expectations. So the idea really was to equip the chaplains, the priests who serve our faithful, um, to accompany those who have invisible wounds. We know a lot about post-traumatic stress, uh, but moral injury is a different kind of experience since post-traumatic stress is, uh, deals, deals with a fear-based experience, something that happened to you. Moral injury is something that either you were ordered to do something that goes against what you believe or you yourself did something in a high-stakes situation that you later come to, to realize was a transgression that you feel deep guilt uh, or shame for. And I would imagine that some of these, there was no time to think uh, in, in a lot of these situations. And there's been plenty of time to think since, and that's uh, where some of this moral injury comes from. That's correct. I think in post-traumatic stress, often it's not until someone has come back from a deployment and has, and has had several months where those uh, images, which your body has kind of separated and stored in different parts of your brain and, and psyche, slowly start to resurface. The same is true for moral injury because uh, moral injury is kind of coded in the same way your body feels it. It's an attack on the body, and it's trying to help you deal with it in a slow process. So, so you're right to say that in the heat of the moment, it's, it's very difficult um, to deal with it all at once. Well, and I think, too, uh, that this is all the more highlighted by conflicts going on with Russia and Ukraine, with Israel and Gaza, where social media has just made it to where everyone on any side of any conflict can just air all the horrible things that the other side has done just by, you know, publish them to Facebook. And that would, I mean, if I were in the military, an active duty person, I would just be, I would be an immoral, just kind of head game constantly by watching all the ways that people are sort of catching these horrible things that are happening in the course of war. I mean, it, it's impossible for me to process what must go through the mind of someone in active duty? Well, that's an interesting point because if you think about it, many people who serve uh, don't reveal the traumatic experiences that they went through, often because they don't want to bring war home. And now you're noting with social media, war is coming to, to us uh, on our mobile screens uh, here in our comfortable lives, right? So, so, so there's really kind of a paradox here. But those glimpses don't really give the full effect of what happened or what someone is dealing with over time. So while we might say we, we've seen what's gone, gone on there, it's better for us to really listen to the experience that someone had when they're ready to reveal it rather than pushing and saying, I can't believe that I saw this. You must have experienced that a lot. Right? So instead of pushing someone into that, our accompaniment is really to walk with somebody and listen to them when they're ready to share that experience that's healthy for them. Well, I know that you're you're trying to understand this in the in the light of the sacraments, and of course, confession uh, is certainly one of those sacraments that I have regular recourse to. Uh, but when it, when it comes to some some of these questions, I imagine that it's very helpful to have not just the Catholic Church's clear teaching on what is and is not a grave evil, but also the the Church's sort of pastoral understanding of culpability when it comes to these questions. 
I imagine that that's a big part of this conversation. I think it is. I, I think because really what we're trying to help people understand is to realize that, they, that in, in all these experiences, they were never alone, that the community of faith was with them, that Jesus was with them. But oftentimes they feel a dissonance in their experience, and um, they feel separated from themselves, from the community of faith, and from God. So when that happens, uh, in the early church when that happened, um, the elders of the church were called to those who were sick, and they would surround the, the sick person. They would pray for them. They would uh, anoint them with oil, bringing those uh, dissonant experiences back together, so creating the physical experience of a reconnection with the community, with God, and helping them to identify themselves as a worthy person. Right now, in our uh, individual secularized society, everything that we deal with from health or mental health experiences is done in isolation. So you have people who have trained together in the military who have done everything in community now on their own trying to process through this. And I think this is a place where the healing sacraments can bring a recognition of the communal experience of faith and of healing and of reconnecting to the Lord that is really needed. Well, and I think about it, and I've known a handful of people over the years in my world who have been like, well, I don't know, I'd rather not do college. Maybe I'll just go into the military. You know, I've known a few people like that, but most of the people I know who have gone in the military did so for reasons that are not completely dissimilar to the reasons that I, the people I know who went into ministry did so. They wanted to serve something greater than themselves, right? They wanted to do something meaningful. They wanted to... Uh, you know, make a difference, show an allegiance, um, you know, have some kind of element of service to what they did. And so to have these kinds of things, and this happens in church work too, where you realize that there's some kind of a mess that you've gotten yourself into and the idealism is like shot to pieces, right? And so you've got to reckon with, well, with, with reality, with morality, with meaning, with a lot of that stuff. Right, and that's, that's why it's helpful to have an opportunity to, uh, to be accompanied, right, to have someone who is going to listen and in some ways even listen through the cracks of the experiences that someone had. Because our, our body has uh, experienced uh, moral injury as an attack, sometimes when we're trying to put that story back together, it doesn't come out in a linear fashion from, you know, A to Z. So uh, helping to listen to that story and help, helping the individual to piece it back together slowly, uh, and then making connections with Scripture uh, and with the recognition that the Church is always uh, present to those who, who are wounded and, uh, and need healing, that, that's really important for them. And so it's an affirmation of the, the courage that they experienced to go and serve and to serve with others who brought even more courage as they, they worked together to do things that no one person could do on their own, and then really trying to help them identify that courage. And there's actually even a prayer in the communal anointing of the sick that seeks fresh courage, and that's the title I use in my dissertation from that prayer. Uh, how do we help those um, who have struggled? And not everyone who has served in the military or has been in a deployed setting is experiencing post-traumatic stress or moral injury, but some do. So how do we help those um, who need it identify and find that fresh courage that they need to have a forward momentum and a new purpose in life? We're talking with Dr. Mark Matoza, Vice Chancellor for Evangelization for the Archdiocese for the military services. And uh, Dr. Matoza, before we let you go, I, I know that there are many of our listeners out there who have served, and maybe some of them are going through the kind of thing that you're describing right now. Uh, if you could, like, where would you steer them for assistance and support? 
I think uh, finding uh, first connecting with the church community, even though uh, you may not feel worthy, the Lord was with you in every single moment uh, of your experience. And and uh, those who who feel uh, not worthy should remember the prayer that we say before communion: that none of us feel worthy to receive the Lord, and yet the Lord uh, accepts us and heals us where we are. So trying to find a community uh, that will help welcome them. The, the veterans Department of Veterans Affairs is actually looking to create parishes and, and, and church communities that would create welcome centers. So if there are some of those in your area, that would also be a good, good place to connect to. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Mark Matoza from the Archdiocese for the Military Services. We've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a happy Veterans Day. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for your ministry. All right, we're back right after this. It's 10 till. Let there be light are the first words that God spoke in the Bible. But even though we chose the darkness of sin, Father Rob Jack reflects on how God overcame the darkness by sending us the light of the world for Sacred Heart Radio's Christmas newsletter. And to bring the light of the world to everyone, use the QR card that we sent so everyone can download the Sacred Heart Radio app. Then on Wednesday, December 6th, local Catholics will prove to those pushing to silence pro-life radio that we are an immovable force by raising $60,000 during Sacred Heart Radio's Advent Pledge Drive. And with our pledge drive on the Feast of St. Nicholas, you'll meet the big man himself that delivered the Sunrise Morning show on video. You'll also read how we're planning to sweeten the deal when Sacred Heart Radio visits your parish, along with the updated program schedule and more. To receive the Christmas newsletter with the QR card, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on newsletter sign up. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent serving Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, I can help with any of your insurance needs. I can be reached at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain and Animate. We've said very little about the Basilica of St. John Lateran. Yeah. I, I almost said whose feast is today, but it's not a who, right? It is a what. What's a different... feast is today? What's feast is today? It sounds weird when you say it. Does. it. And like I say, I had to say at the beginning of the hour, I can't just say St. John Lateran, pray for us because it's like a, it's like a building. St. John the Baptist. St. John, John the, the Evangelist. Baptist. Pray for us. All the St. John's. 
yeah. pray for us. But for us. it's the oldest, and it's the first in rank of the four basilicas of Rome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, that's where it is. It's on the Lateran Hill, as you mentioned last hour. Um, and have you been there? Is that one of the places oh, you've been? Oh, have I been there? Yes. All right. So give me a little sense of what I would see if I went to St. Okay. John Lateran and well, what it's for. First of all, it is the Pope's Cathedral. I know everybody associates the Pope with St. Peter's Basilica because, you know, he lives right next door to it. But originally, St. John Lateran, St. John on the Lateran Hill, is the Cathedral of Rome. So and the, it has been, by the way, since the 4th century. Exactly. Yeah, the 4th century. Can we keep this in mind? So this upcoming year, I was just reading a story on the Catholic News Agency, Matt, that... Uh, the Diocese of Rome has all of these plans for the next year because 324 was when the Basilica of St. John Lateran was so dedicated. Like a year before the First Council of Nicaea. <laughs> Think about that for a second. The year before the First Council of Nicaea. Yeah, it's wild. like, what, 11 years after the Edict of Milan. After Christianity became legal in the Roman Empire. And we are looking at the... Like the church had only been allowed to actually build buildings in Rome. For 11 years. For 11 years. 1700th anniversary of the Basilica of St. John Lateran. We will mark it next year in the year 2024. 1,700 years old. I don't know any Protestant church that that's old. But anyway, you walk in to, well, you walk up to the Basilica of St. John Lateran. And this is not the original building. Um, it burned down. I forget what year it burned down, but it burned down at one point and has been rebuilt. So the facade of this building is is not the original, but it is beautiful. You see these statues kind of lining up along the uh, the top of of the facade, and then you walk in, and um, there's so much to see. But the most striking thing I think for most people when you walk in is that you are, um, you walk down the sort of the main aisle, I guess you could say, and there are these huge statues of the apostles uh, lined on either side of the 12 apostles. And um, and so the, the most striking one, I think, is St. Bartholomew, who is holding his skin, and you can tell that his skin looks like him. Um, these are pretty late in the game, these statues. They're pretty modern compared to St. John Lateran. But the one that Liz Lev always likes to point out is the statue of St. Thomas, who is at the very end, and he's holding out his finger. And, of course, that signifies Thomas reaching out his finger to touch the side of Christ, right? And in that moment, he says, my Lord and my God. Yes. Well, that finger, the statue of that finger, the finger of that statue, the finger of that statue is pointing to the Blessed Sacrament Chapel. My Lord and my God. Pretty cool. And that's just one thing to look for on this feast of St. John Lateran. Some cool info. Back tomorrow, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Sacred Heart Radio family asking you to give us $75 a month is a lot to ask. 
But the fact is it costs $150 every hour of the day for us to operate. Now, with underwriting paying for half of that, if it's possible to give $75 a month, thank you. But we're grateful for whatever you're able to donate. And to do that or find out more about underwriting, visit SacredHeartRadio.com. And to get even more listeners, tell everyone about Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support is from MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Stegman Landscape. Serving the tri-state since 1979, Stegman Landscape can create a picture-perfect landscape all year long. From design, installation, and maintenance to retaining walls, patios, and outdoor fireplaces to enjoy any season, Stegman Landscape can do it all. Stegman Landscape making the world more beautiful one yard at a time. 859-781-1562 and online at stegmanlandscape.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Central Fabricators. Central Fabricators is currently seeking welders for their ASME code fabrication shop. They're looking for hard-working professionals who enjoy meeting challenges and surpassing customer expectations. Candidates are required to have experience and fit up in welding. This is long-term employment in a secure, rewarding full-time career with a four-day work week, health care and dental benefits, and paid vacations. More information at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. This is Cardinal Raymond Burke. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. Sacred Heart Radio. 